1: jersey this is the sports bash with mike gill on 97.3 espn and the 97.3 espn free mobile app now live from the matt blatt kia studios here's mike gill
2: we are live on a Monday edition of the Sports Bash at Ocean Casinos Gallery Bar Booking Games. What to be, one and all. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Ryan Rothstein rides shotgun with me on these Mondays. Danny Ryan's our on-site producer, and Josh Henning is producing today's show. You out there, well, Super Bowl is set. It's the Chiefs and the Niners. It was a wild set of games yesterday. Both games had a lot of storylines, a lot of intrigue. The Detroit ending, I think, has taken center stage with some of the decision-making that Dan Campbell made yesterday. Some on board, others think he cost them the game. There's that, there's... You watch those games this weekend. Did either team provide a blueprint uh, for moving forward? And then, really, I think we've got to start uh, talk a little bit, too, about somewhere throughout the day, Vic Fangio, we know... Kellen Moore is the new Eagles offensive coordinator. Uh, Is that moving the needle for anybody? So those were uh, the football world. Joel and B did not play Saturday, and the Sixers – almost uh, won that game in Denver but a lot of questions about why M didn't play about 15 minutes before the game it kind of came out he wasn't gonna play and of course the games in Denver and this is the he has not played a game in Denver since what like 2018 2019 yeah I
3: don't know if he's ever played maybe his first year yeah, yeah
2: 2019's the last time he actually played a game <laughs> In Denver, um, he got into it with the fans playing Lee, like they were letting him know he was playing back and forth. So a lot on the table today, but I really think, you know, I mean, the Ravens yesterday, we talked about what's the best story and both of them lost the Lions and the Ravens. Yeah. You got Lamar Jackson coming up short again. Man. The Lions having this 17 point lead. What's your, Biggest story takeaway of the weekend?
3: Oh, great question. I mean, you just laid out everything that has transpired over the weekend. We have a bleep ton. I mean, my goodness, from yesterday alone to the Sixers to the Eagles. But as far as championship Sunday, MG, I don't know, dude. I tell you what, Lamar Jackson has to be right at the top of the list. But for me, I I was rooting for the Lions. I felt like the Lions were going to win that game outright. Felt really confident going into halftime. I think that's the story. That has to be the story. I mean, if you say Lamar Jackson's the story, listeners out there, I'm not going to argue with you. But for me, it's the Detroit Lions having that San Francisco 49ers team, MG, on the ropes Mm -hmm. and finding a way you have to give San Fran a ton of credit, but finding a way to lose.
2: All right, so I know you tweeted out that you're on board. Zero issue with Dan Campbell.
3: Zero. Zero. I, zero. Okay. I have a million reasons why, but I, I know— I would
2: like you to give your reasons okay. why. I I don't want to say Dan Campbell cost them the game, but I think he— I think you want to say— in. No, I—listen, <laughs> like, we were debating beforehand, Purdy and Goff. I said, like— Purdy makes some plays with his legs goff doesn't make i said but to be fair to brock i mean to jared goff he made some throws his guys didn't make plays for him mm-hmm. but okay give your reasoning why you have zero issue with dan campbell
3: yeah i i have a ton of them but for me you look at who dan campbell is mm-hmm. and who he has been and obviously what that translates to is what the identity of his team has been not just this year in the regular season and in the postseason. But since he's taken over as head coach since 2021, that's their identity. He has gone for it on fourth down this year more than anybody else in the NFL. He has gone for it on fourth down Mm -hmm. more than any other coach since 2021. Their conversion rate is 53%. The analytics in both those situations yesterday, and I'm not an analytics guy, but it backs my argument, say go for it in both of those situations if he does not go for it i think the players are looking at him sideways i think we're looking at him sideways because he has done exactly what he did in every single situation throughout his career i think it would be crazy for him not to and i have more but i'll stop okay
2: why i agree with everything you're saying like that's their identity that's who they are that's what got them
3: here the numbers say go for it as well I could also counter with this. Isn't this
2: why we knock Lamar Jackson? Isn't this why Joel and B gets knocked sometime? It's you can't be who you are in the regular season. You can't always be the team in the regular season because now you're in the playoffs. If you follow your regular season blueprint, there seems to be an end of the road. You've got to then say, "Listen, this is a different game. This is a different time." I can't do what I did against Cincinnati in Week 8. I'm not playing Cincinnati in Week 8. The math is now running out for San Francisco that if I get these points, they're not catching us. And I think he did follow his script, but his script was a regular season win, not a playoff win.
3: But why do you say that other than what we know now? right? If we can rewind time and go into that moment, Talk me through. All of this talk is hindsight. Through. Well, exactly. But that's my point. I know. I'm like, listen, I hear you as but well. That's why I say, I don't have – I'm not
2: blaming him or have a huge problem because that is who he is. But I think well, in so hindsight, you when I look back at it, he will now learn from this and say, I can't coach the game in the playoffs the same way. It's I disagree with, with that. It's the same with Lamar Jackson. They're playing a game in the regular season, completely different than the playoffs. And then they get to the playoffs, and they're playing this game, and it's like he's not performing. You can't play the same way with him in the playoffs as you are in the regular season. So if you're making decisions that what you made in the regular season, and then making them in the playoffs, you have to evolve from that. You have to you have to have something else. It's like, hey, I threw fastballs the whole time to get here. Well, this part of the lineup, all they do is hit fastballs. Well, guess what? That's all I do is throw fastballs, so I'm going to keep doing it. That's what got me here. Sometimes what got you there is good enough to get you there, but to be the next level, you've got to evolve sometimes from what got you there to what can get me to the next level. I,
3: yeah, I, I, I hear you, but I disagree respectfully. I, I just I don't think it's apples to apples. Like I hear your point on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and we're going to get into that game, of course, but it's not the same thing. Right. Like, yes, what you do in the regular season as a player and as a team, oftentimes you cannot just copy and paste it in the postseason high leverage situations. But that's who he is. Right. Like that mindset has also won this team probably four or five games this year. Sure. Right? So, like, I, you can't look at it with the benefit of hindsight because that's their identity. It has been successful. And and. It comes down to execution. Uh, listen. It comes down to execution. That's the it's thing. not – you can't all of a sudden now, if I'm Dan Campbell, next year, if they're in the NFC title game, I don't want him to kick that field goal on fourth and two. Reynolds catches that ball. Well, we're talking the about thing. the Lions. That's of the why Super I Bowl. say I'm not
2: blaming him entirely because there were plays for his players to make and they didn't make them.
3: That's the story, right? Like, listen, this is the story, but if we really want to be boring – The story is the lack of execution from Detroit and the unbelievable execution from the Niners. I
2: saw, you know, a funny tweet. It was like the Lions had the Eagles last six weeks of their season in the last two quarters of the game. I mean, they just forgot how to catch. They fumbled the ball. They couldn't convert. I mean, everything they did right the first part of that game, they absolutely just lost their way and forgot. And, you know, I know what he was trying to do. And I don't know. I would ask this question. Were the Lions the more talented team? I mean they were the underdog in the game, but would you say the Lions are the better team? They're the more talented team.
3: Probably not, right? No, probably not, but I, I don't think the talent disparity was that great. I, I think Laporte uh, is hindsight, a, uh, yes. No, no, going I was talking with my buddies going into that game. I'm like, dude, Detroit has arguably the best tight end this year. Golf arguably had the best season on paper. I, I mean, they they've had a strong line, like they've they have some talent, dude. The Lions have some talent. I, I just think it's oh, not as no great. There's no
2: question. Look, and I think we just watched the team. It might. And the funny, like you know, we're sitting here on a Monday, the day after, yeah, and we're saying hindsight, like Monday morning if quarterback. We're here a year from now, and he does the same thing, and then they advance. Then I think we're saying, look. He stuck to his guns. He said it today. I don't regret the decision I made. I mean, that guy I was gut wrenching to listen to him. Yeah. You could hear it in his voice how disappointing he was. He said, "But I, I don't, I, I don't regret it. Like this is, like, and I respect the way he kind of handled that." If Josh, if you have that audio, uh, this is the way that Dan Campbell asked the question. I mean, he knew it was coming. Sure. You went for it on fourth down multiple times. You didn't convert either one. How do you feel? Do you regret it? Here's Dan Campbell i just felt really good about us
1: converting
4: getting our momentum and not letting them play long ball you know they were bleeding the clock out that's what they do and i wanted to get the upper hand back and it's easy hindsight and i get it but i don't regret those decisions and that's hard because you know they didn't we didn't come through it wasn't able to to work out but i just i don't and i understand the scrutiny i'll get that's part of the gig man but this didn't work out
3: I love that dude, and I agree with him one thousand percent. Right? Like, I, I we differ here, and I want to ask you this, Gil. I want to ask the listeners. Bottom line: Do you agree with the decision? Right? It, and you, yeah, hindsight's of course a factor, but do you agree with it? Yes or no? Because I love that he's sticking to his guns, and that's who they are, and they've had success. And for me, he shouldn't change who he is. Like, I agree with that decision. He That loss is not on Dan Campbell. That loss is on the Detroit Lions.
2: Yeah, I'm not pinning the loss on Dan Campbell. I, I, I myself, in the moment I'm in, I'm up 17 points. I scored almost every single possession I had the ball. They just couldn't stop me. If I take the three both times, San Francisco has not shown they can stop me. If I get three, the math, they're just running out of time. If I just keep tagging, they can't trade. Points for points. Right. They need to get stops. San Francisco needed yeah. to get stops. So all I have to do is, as much as I want to be the guy that puts the foot on the throat and buries that team, I'm on the road. I'm not the better team. i got to get these points because we deserve these points. Because if we don't convert, it could be detrimental or catastrophic. And it turned out to be that way. So I get what he's saying. He wanted to be the team that said, I'm going to put my foot on your throat and, my, and, and, and twist it and bury you. But I don't know that his team was at that state at that stage of their of who they are yet.
3: Yeah, I I just it's such an interesting dynamic and conversation. Another thing to add too. But again,
2: Rod, yeah. I'm not blaming him for the loss. Okay. I agree with that. I'm not saying how what an idiot. How can you do that? Like hindsight, you're saying if they just kick the field goal both times, they they win that game. Also, I mean, even at the end though, okay, now they score. They run the ball on 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 one of the plays. And then they have to take a timeout. I mean, essentially, you took a timeout, and then you gave yourself no chance. So that didn't help in the illusion that his mismanagement of the game cost them.
3: Right. And another thing, I think Danny brought this up before uh, we we came on the air, and I read a couple articles about it. Their kicker stinks. He just brought the kicker in like five, however long ago. He hasn't been there the whole year. Four games, in four games beyond 39 yards, he has one field goal made. In his career, the Lions kicker yesterday is 5 for 13 from 50-plus. So, like, that dude stinks on top of everything else we've discussed. I just yeah, had it's to not a up.
2: slam dunk that he was going to make them. There's no. no question about it. I think we felt pretty good that if they just take the points that they're automatically going to convert. We always assume yeah. that because we would have done it that that would have happened. Right. Um I look back though it's so many missed opportunities, drop passes, hit me in the I mean Reynolds, the fumble, I oh, mean boy. all these things that contributed to the lines but you know I look at we're 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 kind of looking at two both things at, at the same time here. Like Lamar Jackson, people mm-hmm. keep saying, "Well, here's Lamar Jackson again. He showed he can't get it done." And Is that fair?
3: Is that fair because you're a Lamar. I thought guy.
2: he played poorly yesterday, but it's one of those games where offense wasn't winning the game. It's like the style of the game. Like Mahomes was awesome yesterday, but if I told you hey Kansas City scored 17 points, did they win the game?
3: Pro- probably not. Of
2: course they didn't. Yeah, so probably not. it's not like, you know, Baltimore's defense was great. The flowers, I mean, he was a bonehead yesterday.
3: Oh, my goodness. He was impressively poor. Yeah. He I mean, was impressively. He a, fumbles an idiot. the
2: ball, then he cuts his hand, he gets the taunting penalty. Like, you couldn't
3: what draw you a doing? strip
2: for a bigger bonehead fumbles. yesterday. Well, yeah. I love
4: that he was taunting against LeJarius Sneed, and then he goes to die for the end zone, and LeJarius Sneed is the one to yeah, put the, the, the ball for a fumble. Yeah.
2: Like, how big of an idiot can you be? So, like, while Lamar Jackson wasn't MVP great yesterday, he was horrid. He. Gave his team, put his team in position, and some of his guys uh, let no, him he down. Didn't.
3: No, he didn't. I disagree with that. I, listen, if the flowers plays go a different way, I hear you on that tunnel vision. But Lamar oh, he Jackson, did not play well yet. Lamar Jackson's the MVP of the league, yeah. dude. Lamar Jackson has been balling out. Lamar Jackson was horrid yesterday. He yeah, Did not
2: play well he was yesterday. Horrible at, at all. And to
3: your point, you hold Kansas City to seventeen points. We're not asking a lot from you, brother. We're not asking a lot. That was a pathetic, pathetic show.
4: Well, to put it into perspective as well, you know, we just complained about Zay Flowers, how he was a bonehead yesterday. If you take away Zay Flowers' yards, Lamar Jackson only threw for 157 yards in that game, so they needed Zay Flowers. I mean, take a look at the receivers. Aguilar, one reception for 39. Justice Hill, four for 34. Odell was nonexistent, three for 22. That and, was – where was Odell? Ben? And it could
2: be a product as well he of hasn't Lamar. He done anything all year. No, Did you see Odell's dad on million. Twitter? I know, but, I mean, realistically <laughs> – um, he's a name more than he's been anything. Flowers. I mean, listen. I think that they ran the ball what six times to a Running
3: back six yep. times, sixteen total rushes. They average on the year thirty-two rushes at rushing attempts per game. They had fifty percent less. Yeah,
2: yesterday. I mean, they had a horrible game plan. The quarterback did not play great and his guys around him when they had the chance when he wasn't playing great to help him out and like hey the style of this game is we're gonna have to win ugly they
3: weren't there for him who's the biggest knucklehead yesterday because i tell you what you have a lot of candidates you gotta talk about john harbaugh that coaching performance was atrocious Lamar Jackson, Zay Flowers, Dan Campbell, right? There's a lot of knuckleheads yesterday that had significant You just put Dan
2: Campbell in that group.
3: Yeah, well, he's a story. I don't agree with it, but you you hear me? I mean, I I just, like,
2: I look at when we always hear this is what got them there, this is how they got there, and sometimes I feel like if we just do what we always do, eventually what you always do is not going to work. Yeah, you can't just do the same thing because that's what I always do. Like, at some point, you that's like, hey, I do everything one way. But if you only do it one way, and that way stops working at some point, that's how you don't evolve. Like, you have to evolve. Otherwise, you're going to get trapped into this is the way I always do it. And if we always do it this way,
3: and that's, all, that's what got me here – what happens if that doesn't work? Yeah, but you're talking in generalities. I hear you. You have to be open-minded and you have to evolve, of course. But what's more crazy, doing what you always do or in the biggest moment of your life, change? Right? Like, you have ah, to play to your – It's a tough decision.
2: People hit a crossroads in their lives all the time. You have to play do to your I strengths. stick with what i always done and, and the comfortable route, or do I take a shot on myself?
3: Well, no, but <laughs> – yeah, when you put it like that, that other way sounds great, but at the end of the day, the Ravens, they're a running team. That's why they were so dominant this year. That's why they had a bye. That's why he's going to win MVP. To not do that against a bad run defense, what are we talking about? It's for the Baltimore case.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, they, they just absolutely, you know, they Whew. played poor. They played awful. Their game plan was terrible. Yeah. See, but okay, the way that they do things works for them. It hasn't been stopped yet. Like, you haven't gotten to that point where, like, wait, we always do it this way and we always lose. Mm -hmm. Let's just completely go the opposite direction
3: unprovoked. Right. They decided on their own, like, hey, we're going to prove to the world we can sling it.
2: Like, yeah, like, they unprovoked made the change. The Lions got to a point where they were winning the game handily. And as the game was starting to slip away from them, they stuck with the blueprint that got them there. Instead of saying, "Look, we've got to maybe do something a little different here," yeah, let's we just... generally wouldn't kick this field goal here. Yeah. But I think for the greater good, yeah, we need to do
3: it. Yeah, let's just get some some points. Right, because we just
2: have to slow this engine down a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's where Campbell kind of showed, like you know that that. And look, maybe he learns from this decision next year. He said it, and it was great. He said, do I want to say we'll be back here next year? I don't know that. Right. I, I think really we will, tough. but I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and he had his one shot right there, and maybe the next time he gets back, he learns from that decision. You know, hey, what happened to Doug Peterson in the year the Eagles win the Super Bowl? They do the freaking Philly special play. They're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, what if but that Philly the special year, doesn't work, right? right?
3: We've talked about that. The like.
2: next year, though, he wasn't. You know, the same Doug Peterson, like, aggressively going for it. He kind of, like,
3: you team know. he was different, but yeah. He
2: changed his style a little bit. And I don't know. I mean, I don't sit here and say Campbell cost him the game. No. But when his team kind of. Was looking for someone to throw him a lifeline. He really wasn't there. He didn't for it. toss
3: it into the ocean. No, he, <laughs> he didn't toss the You life know, best. it's
2: like, uh, the, the Rocky scene where, you know, throw the towel and yeah. Rocky's like, throw the damn towel. You don't throw the towel. That's, we don't do that. You yeah. know, you, you, and he's like, throw the damn towel. And, yeah. and, and Campbell was like, no, we're going to see this through. Yeah. And it cost him. It cost him. I mean, that cost them in his role. He had things that he could have done to prevent what happened there. But his team didn't help him
3: out. He's not the story, though, right? Like, to me, the story of, of yesterday and that game is, is obviously Brock Purdy and Mahomes. Like, who, who in your mind, M.G., had the bigger day or is the bigger story? Purdy or Mahomes yesterday in both those games? The winning QBs.
2: Well, I mean, I think Mahomes... This is probably, you know, there was a time we sat here and we were talking about the teams that we thought could win, and I didn't even have Kansas
3: City in there just because their offense, to me, was so inept. They were terrible. Terrible all year, really, at least for the first half of it. But you can't, you got to stop betting against Mahomes, people out there. I mean, you just, you can't do it. Yeah, like, I don't think you watch this team
2: and say, man, this is the best of these Chiefs teams that we've seen. No, but at the same time, it can be
3: because of Mahomes.
2: I think
4: you watch and say this is definitely the best Chiefs defense we've seen with Mahomes Agreed. under the Mahomes-Reed tenure. And, you know, you add Mahomes to that, like Ryan just said, he can pull something off at any time. No matter how much that offense has taken a step back without the enemy, he seems to come up clutch when it matters most. Well, and I mean, that's yes, all that matters. In
2: a 17-10 to 10 win, he didn't dominate. But yesterday, skated too. by. I mean, think about this. Their offense is what it is. No one's like, oh, they have... But in the biggest game when they needed him, Kelsey has 10 targets for 10 catches, 11 11 for 11, 11, I think it was, at some point. I mean, he said, if we're going to win this, i got to go to my guy. And they reconnected in this game at the biggest time when he needed them. And then, like, you look at the Chiefs. You mentioned it, Danny. Their defense was the story yesterday. They were swarming,
3: They were swarming. And and I just want to add this, too. Winning is a skill. Patrick Mahomes is the ultimate winner. That's why I've never believed in Lamar Jackson. He's a loser. He's a loser. Well, it's like what we used to say about Jalen Hurts. When they were
4: skating by and winning these ugly games, it doesn't matter because he finds a way to win. Exactly. That's Patrick Mahomes this year. And lastly, Every year. Travis Kelsey, like you guys mentioned, 11 for, 11 for 11 for 116 and one touchdown. He averaged a first down per catch, 10 and a half yards. It was unbelievable. Crazy. Um,
2: so, so much there. What's the biggest story of the weekend for you guys? Is it Dan Campbell's decisions not to kick the field goal? Was it Lamar Jackson coming up small again? Embiid not playing. The Eagles hire their coordinators mike McGarry, columnist from the press of atlantic city will ask him what story stood out to him the most and we'll kind of get his reaction on all of them mcmullen will give us his take on sirianni's decisions to hire well i don't know if a sirianni's decision yeah but i do see him on the screen up there um vic fangio and now kellen moore what does that say about sirianni's offense moving forward All of that live today at the Gallery Bar Booking Games. A perfect day to be here as the Super Bowl is set. See if people come to the window and make a little wager on Super Bowl 58. That's all today on the Sports Pass Live on 97.3 ESPN.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. with mike gill do i
5: have everybody's attention
0: now on 97.3
1: espn and the 97.3 espn free mobile app
5: yeah not not till about 2025 to go on the clock he did go out to do his regular warm-up medical care team just didn't like what they saw left knee soreness and they just decided that it was safer much safer for him not to play today
2: uh, that was Nick Nurse Saturday after the game on why Joel Embiid did not play. Are we buying that? Are we questioning that? Do we even care? Is too much being made of it? Great article on our website from Austin Krell. Yeah. Read that now at 97.3 esbncom Mike McGarry's here. We're going to hit on all of the key stories from the weekend, Mike. But uh, do you take any issue uh, finding out 15 minutes before the game, no Joel Embiid, or are you kind of just like, eh,
3: I'm used to it by now? All right. I don't think he's a fan. <laughs> don't think he's a fan thanks for letting me know yeah it's good stuff and it's excellent insight there
2: uh, all right so we'll get mike uh, on the line here in just a second uh, josh is working on getting him on back there at the studio we're live at the ocean casinos gallery bar book and games you know uh austin's Austin's article about the hypocrisy yeah. of, like, how everybody kind of looked at this. So let's bring Mike McGarry. We got him on right now. Mike, 15 minutes before the game, no Embiid. This keeps kind of happening here. Uh, do you take any issue with the way this was kind of handled, or are you just kind of like, I'm kind of used to it by now?
6: Well, kind of kind of used to it and, and have a slight issue. I just think he should have been on the injury report, you know, before the game, uh, you know, in in the morning, basically. So at least that's the possibility. Obviously, you know, if you're a fan going to the game or you're turning the game on TV, you want to see Embiid versus Jokic. And you know, To have him pulled from the game 15 minutes before it started because he didn't warm up right or didn't look good in warm-ups is disappointing. In the end, it's much ado about nothing. But if you're a fan who's going to the game, brought tickets to the game, hey, put them put. Just put him on the injury report in the morning so at least you know there's a possibility and it doesn't become a shocker when they introduce the starting lineups and he's not out there.
3: Yeah, I could probably talk to you about this for an entire segment, Mike McGarry, but I want to transition with you to what we what we saw yesterday, what transpired yesterday, uh, Championship Sunday. My goodness, Gil and I talked a little bit about some of the biggest storylines to open this show up, but... I'll just let you take it here. What's what's your biggest takeaway? You can pick a card, any card. Like for you, is it Lamar Jackson and his no call, no show? Is it about Mahomes and the Chiefs again, back in the big game? What what what's your main takeaway from what we saw yesterday?
6: Yeah, my lesson learned yesterday and throughout this entire playoffs is is uh, and I was wrong. I didn't think the Chiefs were going back to the Super Bowl. I said the Chiefs and the Eagles weren't going back. I, I was fifty right, fifty percent right, right. Huh. Uh, Mahomes is a guy you can't ever pick against Mahomes ever again. He has entered that sort of pantheon of quarterbacks where you can just not bet against him. You cannot pick against him. I don't care where the game is, road, home, on the moon, Mars. You cannot pick against Patrick Mahomes anymore. You know, and, and luck seems to follow skill. Like Brady, Brady, Tom Brady was in that. You know. In that pantheon of guys that you just could not pick against. And yeah, Kyle Shanahan makes a bonehead coaching move at 28, three and, and the Seattle interception and even the tuck rule. And yesterday you had, uh, you know, Zay Flowers with the taunting penalty and the fumble on the goal line and turnovers in, in the end zone. But luck seems to follow the skill that these guys have and Mahomes is there. You know, Montana, Brady, and now Mahomes. And you just cannot, no matter where the game is, what the game is, who's playing. If Mahomes is out there and you're picking against him, you're crazy. That's my takeaway. <laughs> it's
3: it's a it's a very valid takeaway. That's uh, probably impossible to argue against. Sticking with the Chiefs for a second, is Andy Reid now the greatest coach of all time, or is he at least making a pretty a pretty strong case for it?
6: Yeah, he's making a run, right? I mean, I still, I'm still going to go with Belichick out there, but Andy Reid is in, you know, a resurgence of his career, second half of his career here. And, and, you know, he's, he's hooked up with Mahomes. And if I'm Andy Reid, I'm coaching until Mahomes drops, basically. (laughs) If I'm 100, I got Mahomes starting, you know, uh, I'm coaching. So, yeah, I mean, he, he obviously, you know, give the coach credit for maximizing what you know the team does it, and give Andy Reid credit for like kind of taking a look at the pieces around Mahomes and making them work. I mean, you know Isaiah Pacheco is an absolutely great, great story, right? The violent kid in the Super Bowl for the second straight year, but he was a seventh round draft pick. I remember when he was drafted; it was an it was an almost an afterthought. You know, you talk about Brock Purdy as Mister Irrelevant. Pacheco was, you know, what eight spots away from maybe being Mr. Irrelevant, and to see him do what he does on TV now, uh, on on a weekly basis and in big games is just tremendous. So give Andy Reid credit because you know Mahomes doesn't have those great receivers. There's no Tyreek Hill out there. Uh, You know, Kelsey had a big game yesterday, but I think we all agree he's kind of lost his step. So. Give Andy Reid credit for sort of maximizing the talent around Holmes. And the other guy you got to give credit to is Steve Spagnola, that defensive coordinator. He's been in a lot of big games, and he's won a lot of big games for a couple different teams, including the New York Giants. He's one of the best defensive coordinators out there, and he did a great job against the Baltimore Ravens offense yesterday.
2: Mike, uh, you mentioned Pacheco. I- I'd like to, if you could, just to give our listeners, you know, who were like, all right, this guy went to Vineland. Like, you know, just give us a little uh, couple memories or some kind of, like, was there a moment when you covered him that you knew, like, hey, this guy, maybe not to the extent that he has, to where he has gotten. I mean, I, from what I recollect, he played quarterback at,
6: at Vineland, correct? That is correct. I mean he came into Violin as a as a fourteen year old kid. Dan Russo had just taken over the program there and was trying to revitalize a violin program. And for people that don't know, Violin had not had a lot of football success through the eighties and the nineties and, and the early 2000s. Pacheco came in, played quarterback all four years, really revitalized the program, led Violin to the playoffs, led Violin to winning records. The thing that sticks out with me about pacheco and we have a story that i wrote about six years ago on our website about what he's been through in his life you know his older brother was murdered his sister was murdered he persevered through all that to have a successful college career at rutgers and now in the pros and i you know one of my great memories is for a story i did i actually spent you know an afternoon at his house in vineland really got to know him and uh just the maturity level when he was in high school. and Mike, all kind of great high school athletes that I've talked to have this maturity level. I tell people that when I interviewed Mike Trout at Millville, he was seventeen, eighteen years old, but he was talking it was like talking to a thirty-five year old guy. Same thing Lamar Greer of Middle Township. When I talked to him, he was a McDonald's All American basketball. When he was seventeen, eighteen, it was like talking to a thirty-five year old man. Pacheco was exact the same way. Just a level of maturity about him. Uh, a clearness of what he wanted to achieve and uh it really just warms my heart knowing what he's been through to see him play and have the success that he's had he's really overcome a lot and it's really a tremendous story awesome
2: stuff mike mcgarry from the press
6: of atlantic city uh all right mike uh dan campbell's
2: decision yesterday issue with it or hey that's what got them to the dance no problem
6: yeah, you know, my only, yeah, I mean, I feel strongly both ways. Am I allowed? You know, basically, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, you know, he goes on fourth down and doesn't get it, but then you look at some other plays during the game. I mean, the guy hits, the ball hits the guy's face mask. Instead of an interception, you get a great catch. Uh, the running back fumbles, uh, you know, deep in his own territory. On one of the fourth downs, the guy drops a wide open pass. Uh, so I, I understand it's the plays at the end; those plays kind of made a difference too. But geez, when you look back at it, boy, couldn't he have kicked just one of the field goals on fourth down? If he does that, he probably wins the game because to come back from twenty-four-seven, you've got to be perfect and you have to have everything go your way. And he and he took the field goal before halftime. So that's my biggest issue. Everybody says, "Oh, he's went for it on fourth down all year long." Well, right before halftime on fourth down, he doesn't go for it. He takes the field goal. So seeing him do that, boy, could he have just kicked the field goal, uh, you know, one one of the times in the second half?
3: <laughs> yeah, listen, the hindsight to that conversation sure makes things – makes everyone see a lot clearer. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that, McGarry. But uh, I, I want your thoughts because now after both those games – our final yesterday you're getting a ton of people on on social media you know take that for face value but you know you're getting a ton of people on social media saying "Ah, oh, we're super bowl ever um not what i wanted how, how do you view it all right do you look at this and say yeah we, we have a, a heck of a game here would you have liked to see a different matchup uh and just your early thoughts on on the you know on san fran versus KC.
6: Yeah, I mean, I don't know where people, I think that's just people being unhappy on social media, right? Shocker. Sure. I think, I think, I'll make a prediction right now. I think this might be the most spot Super Bowl of all time, basically. You've got Kansas City, you've got Star Power in Mahomes, you've got a franchise in San Francisco, 49ers that are kind of a legacy fan, uh, franchise, uh, uh, a national team with a lot of big name players, McCaffrey, I think Purdy's even a big-name player. Uh, The wide receivers are out there. Uh, So, uh, Bosa. So, I I can't, you know, to me, this is what the NFL wants. This is jackpots. You know, I hear the the slot machine bells going off in in the (laughs) NFL office. I mean, to me, this. how could you want any better? I mean, Mahomes versus the 49ers. uh, You know, I think it's going to, and you're probably going to have Taylor Swift in the stands, too. So, uh, (laughs) jackpot there, I, I, I think it's, you know, going to be the most watched Super Bowl of all time and uh, and a great game. You know, to me, it's a, it's a great matchup and a great game.
2: Uh, Mike Begare from the Press of Atlantic City. I guess the other game, uh, the Lamar Jackson stuff, where do you sit with what happened with him and that team this weekend?
6: Yeah, well, Lamar Jackson is the Joel Embiid or James Harden of the NFL, basically. Right? Great regular season, gets in the playoffs. And can't get it done. I mean, and, and if you're the Ravens, you got to be kicking yourself because your defense goes out there and uh, and holds the Chiefs to 17 points. Give the Chiefs credit. I thought that opening drive was big to score on that first possession. Take the crowd right out of the game. Put the Ravens on their heels a little bit. Play from behind. But if you're uh, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, and you look at you know the, the taunting penalty, the fumble on the goal line, the interception. Boy, you're kicking yourself thinking what might have been. And fair or not, Lamar Jackson is now in you know in that uh, list of guys like a James Harden, like Embiid to a degree that's done it in the regular season, but can't get it done in the playoffs. And and that's the tag that he's got to you know carry with him in the next season.
2: All right, uh, I guess one other story happened this weekend was the Eagles coordinators. We know Fangio, Kellen <laughs> Moore. Uh, does this change the perception of the Eagles for you at all?
6: You know, I, I'm not really. I, I think it's obviously the the, the challenge, the storyline will be next year. Can Kellen Moore, you know, help Jalen Hurts advance his game, get to the next level or get back to where he was in 2022? I think Kellen Moore is a professional coach. He is a professional offensive coordinator. He has had success before. So it's not like they're taking a flyer on a guy who's completely unknown or something like that. They've got two professional coordinators in there in Fangio and and Kellen Moore it's it's a good coaching staff we'll see what happens uh, as, as far as the result goes but I think it's hard to argue right now with the higher up either guy in the coordinator spot
2: all right, Mike McGarry, there's a lot there from the Press of Atlantic City. By the way, Doc Rivers also yeah. named the Bucks coach on Friday, and uh, we'll see if he can get the Bucks over the hump. So a lot of stuff happening right now. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City stopping by here on a Monday here on the Sports Pass. Thanks, Mike. All right, thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Good stuff. He'll be back Wednesday when a lot more is going to be materializing. I do want to give my thoughts. Uh, I, I said on, uh, I guess it was Thursday was the last day I was on the air, about my thoughts on the Eagles with Fangio. Yeah. And why uh, my thoughts on this decision with Kellen Moore as well. I'm curious to get your thoughts. If you're excited. I'll do that on that. the other side. Stick around. Sports Bass Live 97.3 ESPN. Uh, also coming up, McMullen will give us his thoughts on the two hires. I'll give you my thoughts on the Kellen Moore hire. i give you my thoughts on Fangio. On Thursday's show, I'll give you my thoughts on Kellen Moore, and then you can, guys can react to that, and a ton of text messages. So we'll read and react to some texts. we got five from Danny Rye next hour. It's all here live at the Ocean Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. At right,
2: 249. Uh Kellen Moore is the new Eagles offensive coordinator. That happened on Friday, I guess. Friday night was it? Yeah. Saturday night. Saturday My days were all messed up this weekend. Saturday night it happened. Thursday, uh the Fangio stuff kinda came down. Now, neither one has been made like official official by the team. They haven't had press conferences yet, but Kellen Moore's gonna be the offensive coordinator. Vic Fangio the defense coordinator. So my take is this. I'm not the biggest Kellen Moore fan. In fact, I was always very critical of him in Dallas because I thought he had Pollard and Zeke Elliott and didn't utilize them well enough. Yeah. So I got to imagine he will not be a popular guy when the Eagles lose games, and it's because they're tossing the ball all around the yard. But what I will say is this. The two coordinator hires are is a sign to me that the Eagles – are going to be aggressive this offseason and they feel like the window is there for us to make moves and get this team back to where we thought we should have been this year. You, you they went with the two young coordinators this year and I think they kind of took a you know, took for granted that they had a really talented roster and that they could have this young staff. They realized, look, the coaching matters and we're getting grown ups back in here because we have a roster that needs grown ups. Yeah. Not that they're not good players, but we have enough talent that if we're coached right, we're just as good as the two the four teams we saw this weekend. And I truly believe that. Like I'm watching the four teams yesterday and I'm thinking if the Eagles had half a clue of what they were doing, they're just as talented as some of these teams, like they go get Vic Fangio. Okay, guess what, Vic? You're coming here to coach a team and I'm gonna go get you players. Like, I'm not giving you Kaylee Ringo.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope not, but all right. So why do you think the hires translate to them and, you know, going out and making significant moves? Because, like, I think if you're
2: a veteran coach and, you know, you might say I didn't have any options. Kellen Moore had options. Vic Fangio probably, you know, he didn't have to leave Miami. Yeah. Like, I think you're enticing these guys to come here. Because of the talent that's on the team and the talent that I'm telling you I'm gonna go get
3: for you. Alright, well let me ask you this then. You just alluded to it, but watching what what we saw yesterday, do you feel like Van uh Vic Vangio and, you know, Kellen Snore are gonna get this team back to championship Sunday? Do you feel confident in that because of these two guys?
2: Um I don't know. i got to see what moves they make this offseason. I told said Thursday. I feel like the Fangio hire is Roseman learning from his mistakes and saying, look, I tried to do this. It didn't work. I'm going to go out and get players for this guy. You know, like, I look at this as almost a carbon copy of, two, well, I guess it would be three years ago now. Hertz's first season. Okay. We got to the playoffs as a wild card. Tampa Bay showed us how far away we were.
3: Right. Let's go address. And what
2: we learned from that was I went out and got Hassan Reddick. I went out and got James Bradbury. I went out and got A.J. Brown. Yeah. I went out and got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. We needed to update or, or, or take a step up in our personnel. And I think they thought they were good enough. They got to a wild card game and got blown out and said, all right, we have to identify where we're not good. We're going to go get more veteran coaches. We're going to get better ideas, and we're going to go get more
3: talent. Yeah, and they they did that in the draft, in the uh, you know, in free agency. My goodness, it, through trade. Yep. So I hear you. They I, went down every avenue, and
2: I think, like you tell these coordinators, well, listen, if you're Kellen Moore and you have a passing game that's very sophisticated, I think the passing game is going to be elite next year. I right? think. <laughs> wow. If you're an offense, defense. It's not going to be fun trying to defend this offense with, with the, in the passing game.
3: I don't – man. Now, I
2: if you have an elaborate defense that decides that day, you know, I think his pass offense is very good. The problem was, you know, they got away from the run so much in Dallas. And at that time, I didn't think Dallas – like, he was relying on Dak Prescott to win the games for him. Is he going to rely on Jalen Hurts to win the games here? I that's, mean,
3: That's what I want to ask you, though. Like, for me – all right, Kellen Moore seems like a, a smart young dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I he's like, the best fit. I don't know what Jalen Hur- What's I don't would know. Would you rather Kingsbury? No. Okay. I, I I don't know who I would want. So, you know, that could probably take some credibility away. But I, my point is, I don't know what's best for Jalen. Well, that's the thing. I We're going to learn a lot best. about
2: Jalen Hurts, I think, right now. Is, is Kellen Moore coming in here looking at this team saying, I got A.J. Brown, I got Smith, I got Goddard, I got Hurts? I got the passing game for you guys. I have a passing game that can, can make Hurts this team it. alert. Now, I think the Eagles are now going to get to find out. Okay, right? What is Hertz? Who do we have here? Exactly. So, I I, 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 think that is something. But I will also, <laughs> I will caution the Eagles fans. You don't like to run the ball that much. No, he ain't running attack. His highest passing numbers and attempts and everything else was under Kellen Moore. And guess what? The one year when Dak got hurt, their offense was unbelievable. It was elite, elite, elite. That their was defense the year... was so bad. Yeah. I was gonna say that was the year people were debating keep keep Dak on the on the bench. But listen, Kellen Moore was getting head coaching offers based on that year. Yes. Yeah. That was the year that Dak was so good and then he got hurt and they kept winning without him. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I we'll talk more about it. McBullen's on the other side. We'll see what, how he feels Kellen Moore's offense will play here. What it will look like. Do they have the personnel for it? That's all coming up next.
1: City. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia studios. Here's Mike Gill.
2: Five right, hour two of the bash live at the Ocean Gallery Bar, Book and Games. John McMullins brought to you by the Gallery Bar, Book and Games at Ocean Casino. Go to the Gallery, go to Ocean, go for the win. For more, visit oceanac.com. Gambling problem? One eight hundred Gambler. A lot of text messages coming in. Uh, Kellen Moore is the new Eagles offensive coordinator. A couple text messages, guys. The more higher, the more higher, Not great, in my honest opinion. Dak barely ran under him, and Hurts isn't the passer. Dak is so I think Kingsbury would have been a better fit um yeah it's an interesting take I mean would you have rather had Cliff Kingsbury uh or somebody else who has a little bit more focus Not, I don't even know that you could say Kingsbury has yeah. a focus on the run either I mean right yeah a, a more running
3: style quarterback it didn't translate too well you know so I don't know if I'm sitting here saying man should have gotten Cliff but I do question the thought process with Kellen Moore.
2: All right, let's get John McMullen from Birds 365. Uh, his take on both of these hires, Vic Fangio, was announced over the weekend. We knew that was happening. And uh, Kellen Moore, John, uh, you know, he kind of came as the last candidate here. They had interviewed some other people. It happened kind of quickly, it seems like. So, do you like the fit of Kellen Moore with the talent that Philadelphia has on
7: offense? Yeah, why not? (laughs) I think it's fine, whoever. I think Cliff Kingsbury, Kellen Moore, uh, anybody. Maybe except uh, Jared Johnson, only because he doesn't have a lot of experience. I think the Eagles wanted some experience. And even though Kellen's very young, uh, coming off last year with coordinators with so so little experience, this will be his sixth season as an offensive coordinator. So, um. I think, you know, the job won't be too big for him. He won't be sort of learning on the job. And that's, I think, kind of what happened this year and the Eagles weren't happy with. So, yeah, I mean, fresh ideas. Uh, Talking to Josh, it's really a fresh coat of paint more than anything else. Everybody runs the same stuff. So, you know, but if you think about what the Eagles – and the fans were complaining about it. And Jeffrey Lurie. Likely, it's motion, and he uses he's top ten in motion. He puts the quarterback under center, um, and he and he does this. And and they were very good against the blitz in Dallas in 2022. I think they were number one in the NFL. So it kind of fits the pendulum of things. You are doing poorly. You bring in a guy who's done it well. Now you mentioned obviously he was working with Dak Prescott. Now to that texture, I mean, he doesn't run the ball because Dak's not a good runner. <laughs> I mean, you don't, you don't run the ball with quarterbacks that aren't good runners. He can extend plays a, a little bit, but that's not a strength of his game. Same thing with Justin Herbert. So your hope is that he can evolve, uh, Jalen Hurts as a pocket passer and at the same time keep the successful RPO, RPR stuff that the Eagles used before. So that's the, the best-case scenario. But he's as good as anybody else, so I, I wouldn't complain about it.
2: Uh, what if you're somebody who wants more balance or you want to see the team run the ball, if that's the style of coordinator you were hoping or looking for?
7: Well, I would say wake up. It's 2024. Uh, you're not getting that. You're never getting that. That doesn't exist anymore. Uh, But, you know, it's one of the reasons you're probably not going to be happy with Kellen Moore. He's pass heavy. It's one of the reasons Dallas moved on from him. They wanted more of a a guy who would adjust to the situation. Say you're up 10, 12, 13 points in the fourth quarter and you sort of run to close the game. So that's where Jeff Stoutman comes in. and, And hopefully you can mesh the two together. But, I I mean, we have Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, no. You're not going to run the ball. You're going to be a pass-heavy offense. Um,
2: Is this a sign to you, John, that, I mean, the Eagles are trying to, I don't want to say find out, but, like, is that the right word? Like, what Jalen Hurts, like, if you're saying, hey, uh, Kellen Moore is coming here, we think Jalen Hurts can can throw the ball. Like, he he can lead us to where we want to get to.
7: Seems like a big leap. Well, I don't think it's a big leap. He's thrown the ball very effectively, uh, I think. But I I, I do think if you want to just turn him into a pocket passer, I think that's a big leap. But I don't think that's the way uh, he'll go. I mean, he'll take advantage. He's a smart enough guy. He's got a tremendously high football IQ. He played the position. He was the first guy in college to win 50 games. I mean, all he did was win at Boise State. He understands uh, you got to take advantage of, of the skill set of the quarterback you have, and um, yeah, I mean he's gonna he's gonna try. Uh, the best case scenario, as I said, is to keep evolving as that pocket passer. But you can't take away that plus one aspect in the running game. I think if you do that, it's doomed for failure. But I, I don't think the Eagles are going to do that.
3: Yeah, J Mac. When I say big leap. You know, I think you put it better in your recent article that you wrote for SI.com. Just I'll I'll, I'll read off a line or two. You said the concern is that using motion and putting Jalen Hurts under center more, which is what Moore does, are just overreactions to the perceived struggles late last season by the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's sort of what I mean. Like, It's just the fact that Jalen Hurts, he's never ran this type of an offense. So we're going to find out.
7: Yeah, I mean, if they show up week one and he's under center 75% of the time, yeah, I think it's a disaster. Um, um, I think, you know, <laughs> I think if people assume that motion means uh, complexity, I mean, <laughs> the king of motion calls it the illusion of complexity. Yeah, that's from Sean McVay. That's not me. So basically you're just trying to test uh, the discipline of the defense of the opposing defense and that's kind of dependent on how uh, how they handle it more than anything else but as you get to better defenses they're not affected by that kind of stuff all that much um so i i think if you think those things are like like tonics or or or, or medicine for a sick off I, I think that kind of stuff is so superficial I think it's kind of ridiculous, but what this guy's proven is that he, he he's, he's had good offenses and he's had high octane passing offense. And, and that's what Jeffrey Lurie wants. He's wanted, mm-hmm. he constantly talks about it. Uh, when he does talk, he, the only way he can win consistently in, in the modern NFL is to have a, a really effective passing offense. And that's what he wants. Uh, he's been able to do that. Now he said, Two really, really good quarterbacks, um, and, and he'll have a third here, so that helps, and personnel helps, and he'll have great personnel. But, you know, one of the things I'm concerned about is those expectations that we talked about. Remember, this was a bad offense, according to most of the fan base. They were number eight in the NFL. That was a hell of a lot better than the Chargers last year. So, you know, they were second and third down offense. They were first and fourth down offense. These are pretty high bars. So he's got to come in doing good stuff right away uh, or it can go in a negative direction. But I, I think the key things to watch are sort of meshing, um, and playing better situational football and meshing that running game where you're You know, he had a little chip Kelly in him in Dallas and that. He never took the foot off the gas, even when it was time to take the foot off the gas.
2: John, what's this mean for Nick Sirianni's offense? Um, you know, it's not his offense. It's not my offense. It's our offense. Is it going to be some sort of amalgamation of uh, Nick Sirianni's <laughs> offense <a> <laughs> with uh, well, I,
7: think I think that's the best, the biggest question. Like, how does Nick handle all this? Um, because I can tell you, from the day he got here, and forget about it, in front of the camera, behind the camera, he has said I, I over 20 times, as long as I'm here, this will be my offense. Um, and he's still here, and it's not his offense. And that's not because he gave it up. That's not because he went into Jeffrey Lord's office and said, you know what, it got a little stale. I need some help. That's not how it happened. Um, this is sort of taken away from him autonomy on offense. How happy is he going to be with that? Well, he's going to try it, and we're going to see how it shakes out. Uh, But that's going to be probably the most interesting story of the 2024 Eagles when the season rolls around.
2: I think you just said it, John. I mean, the Eagles' offense, uh, by many fans' accounts, was uh, a mess. It was clunky. Uh, but statistically speaking, it was pretty good. So I guess the question is, guy like Kellen Moore walks into the room, do you have to sell him, or is he like, dude, give me this offense? I mean, give me this offense. Is Was this an attractive offense for a coordinator to take over?
7: Yeah, I think any time you have two receivers like the Eagles start with, I think it's pretty attractive. Uh, you've seen Jalen Hurts play at a high level. Uh we'll see what happens at running back. I, I don't think it's likely uh DeAndre Swift will be back. So uh but you're still gonna have a top tier offensive line. Even if Jason Kelsey retires, it's still gonna be top five uh in the league. So from a talent perspective you need a little bit of a a bounce back year from Dallas Goddard. Um but it's still pretty good offensively from a, from that talent uh perspective. So I think yeah, I think Kellen's probably pretty excited thinking about things he, he wants to do, specifically uh, with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. And um, I think he'll do a better job of, of developing a, a third option as well at the receiver position, which the Eagles have been really, really bad at, to say the least.
3: John, what about the other side of the ball? Real quick, before we jump okay. to it, can I
2: just. Might be. Uh, uh, I just want to get another question yeah. on Moore real fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, is there anything that he did or with any specific player in Dallas that you're like, I- I'd like to see what he does with that player based on what he did in Dallas with that
7: player? Yeah, I think Devontae's going to take on more of a CD Lamb role, so he'll go inside, I think, mm. a, lot, a lot more. Like it. Um, that, that would be my guess. Uh, and I've been waiting for that, honestly, because I think the slot is so important on third down. I think he'll take advantage of, of Devontae's route running ability, uh, in those key situations. I don't think the Eagles did that enough. And, and by no means do I mean I want him to stick in the slot, you know, but in, in, you know, third and five, third and six. I think you can really do some things with Devontae Smith inside uh, that the Eagles probably didn't do uh, for whatever reason, probably keep him outside because he's so dynamic. But, you know, situational football, and that's what Nick stresses. You know, he, I, I think he should have realized, look, we've got to take advantage of this guy on third downs uh, a little bit more.
3: All right, so we're going to get to the other side of the ball here. Just, I now uh, will allow you to go to the other yes. side of the ball. Sorry to right. stick my uh question in there. <laughs> Unbelievable like it's your show or something. Did you like that answer? Uh I did. I did. He, you know, he answered a poor question. No, I'm kidding. Uh Vic Vangio, what do you think? Is he the guy to lead this D? Uh, is he an impressive hire? Is he the right hire? Uh what does he bring to the table here that's going to clean, you know, some of this mess up, j Mac?
7: Well, you know, I, I'm not, a, everybody knows who listens to me. I'm not a big fan of this scheme. I think people have caught up to it uh, around the league. I think too many people have run it. Um, but if you're going to run it and they're going to run it, you might as well get the originator uh, instead of the copy. So from that perspective, I think it's good. Um, and, and Vic, you know, Vic's been doing it for so long, he's, not always played this game, so he's shown uh, an ability to adapt, and I I know he talked in Miami last year about too many people, exactly what I said, too many people playing, it, and and maybe he's going to have to adjust, so I think that's already in the back of his head that he's going to have to start going in at least a little bit of a different direction, and then the second part is, he's also got such a reputation, uh, such cachet around the league, you're going to see a Vastly improved uh, 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 position coaching staff on defense. He's going to be able to bring in guys like if Joe Barry or Mike Caldwell don't get uh, defensive coordinator positions, you know he'll be able to get them in here as assistants. Uh, um, uh, Ronaldo Hill, the defensive backs coach, and, and w- he was with him in Miami. Uh, who's a former coordinator with the Chargers? Uh, I think he'll be able to get him. So uh, I think he'll be able to get a a much deeper coaching staff. And I think at the bare minimum, it's always about talent, uh, but at the bare minimum, they will be better prepared and you won't see as many communication mistakes as you saw this year on defense. I
2: I want to ask you a similar uh, question about fangio now this is an interesting because he he could have stayed in miami if he wanted to i don't know that he Uh,
7: i don't be so sure about that seems like they were running all not exactly blocking the door
2: okay (laughs) well he had a job um would he if, if he left would he have been an attractive candidate or was this a situation where philadelphia was really the only option for him and I guess the question I was leading myself into before you said, eh, maybe not, was did he look at Philadelphia's talent and say, that's a defense I want to work with?
7: No, he, he wants to be here because he likes the organization, and, and he's from the areas, from right. Northeast, Pennsylvania. So, you, you know, that's why he wants to be here. Um and he's taking a pay cut. I don't know what the Eagles are paying him. Eventually, we'll figure it out. But he, he was the highest-paid coordinator in football, which is one of the reasons why Miami wasn't exactly blocking the door. Uh, they were paying him $5 million a year. So now Mike McDaniel can go get somebody he's more comfortable with, most likely Brandon Staley, uh, pay them much less and, and have similar output. So from that standpoint, and a lot of the players in Miami – did not like the way Vic coached him. And that might be something to keep an eye on because he's an old-school guy in in the modern generation. And, you know, you got to deal with younger players a little bit differently now. So that's something to keep an eye on. But a bunch of them even went public and said, you know, Cam Smith uh, mentioned, uh, you know, he's going to be unlocked. And uh, Jevin Holland said, kick rocks, to get them out. Um, and there were some other players who, in their exit interviews, to Mike McDaniel said, look, if this guy doesn't change, we don't want him out of here. So we don't want him back. So, you know, people in Miami are, are saying, well, the Eagles tampered. And they might have tampered, but the Dolphins don't care. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> Is that concerning, John? Right? Like
3: all these reports, whether they're true or false, I mean, it can't.
7: Where well, they're soaked, they're the, the ones that went public are are true. I mean, they went public on their own. Uh, a number of them. Um, so yeah, it's true. Um, but I, you know, he he, he improves the Dolphins' defense overall. So I, I think he's going to improve the Eagles' defense. But I do think there's this perception in Philadelphia because of everything that went on, that he's some kind of savior. And look, if they don't upgrade the defense, uh, a talent, and backs in the back seven, yeah, they're going to be better than last year, but they're not going to be great.
2: Do these hires, John? I don't know. I, I look at them hiring uh, Fangio and Moore, and you know, last they tried to go with some younger, un- unproven guys. I know Desai had been a coordinator, you know, but they went with some guys who had less of a resume. Do these hires signal to you at all that, hey, we understood we maybe needed some better coaching? And with that, we will be aggressive in the offseason to get these guys
7: better, ta- more talent? Yeah, that's always a difficult question. I mean, they have to, and that's the most difficult question for any, basically, um, organization in the NFL. you got to be honest with yourself. Are you a legitimate contender. I don't know. I saw the Yachts came out for Super Bowl uh, next year, um, and the Eagles are are eighth on the list, but they're tied with two teams. So, you know, instead of being one or two where they have been, they're eight, nine, or ten, depending on on how you feel about the team's tied. So they don't feel like a Super Bowl contender right now. Uh, aging, we'll see where Jason Kelsey is and Fletcher Cox potentially both retiring. <clears throat> um, what about
2: Kelsey? You think Kelsey, uh, you read his remarks, I'm imagining?
7: Yeah, I, I mean, it, Jason seems to always do this. You know, he gets to the end of the season um, and he thinks he's going to retire and then he takes a few weeks and the batteries recharge a little bit. And he says... He still likes it, he's still playing at a high level. Um so, you know, you can never say never, but just about everybody in that organization thought he was retiring. He can always change his mind. So um I, I'm still leaning towards retirement. Um uh, but you know, maybe he's getting a little hyped up by Travis's run here, uh getting excited again. You never know. Um Certainly still leaning towards retirement,
2: I would say. All right. Uh, we'll have plenty more, of course, uh, as this offseason continues to unfold. Uh, Super Bowl is here, and uh, we'll talk more about this stuff in the offseason with John McMullen. Birds 365, weekday mornings, 8 a.m. on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Thank you, John.
7: All right. Thanks, guys.
2: Good conversation, and John has brought to you. Uh, by the gallery bar booking games that's where we are today at ocean casino resort did i hear um before we came on jim jeffries is coming to uh, ovation hall yeah he's uh he's one of my favorites Love man. him. yeah he's great that'd be a great show absolutely that's coming here to ocean they got a lot of great uh shows coming up this winter you can check out the schedule for ovation hall we're here at the gallery every monday you know we are like seven weeks from march madness it's crazy yeah baby let's go um, a lot of off season stuff here. I don't know. I want to, we'll get five from Danny Rye and then, and anything that John said about Kellen Moore Vic Fangio stand out. There was something that stood out to me. Okay. We'll talk about that coming up on the Sports Fast Plus five from Danny
8: Rye is coming up next. We have the perfect for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done the sports Bash
1: with Mike Gill on 973 ESPN Absolutely the best. And the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.
2: All right, welcome back. Sports Bash Live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City by Gil Ryan and Our on-site producer is Danny Rye. And it's time for today's edition of 5.
4: Danny Rye. Alright, right, here we go. Let's start off hot and talk about the new Eagles defensive and offensive coordinators. Obviously, as you guys have mentioned throughout the show, they filled both of their vacancies, hiring former Dolphins defensive coordinator. And, well, it will now be his eighth stop as a defensive coordinator in the NFL, Vic Fangio as their new D.C., and former Cowboys and Chargers offensive coordinator Kellen Moore as the Eagles' new offensive coordinator. Mike, Ryan, I want you to give each of these hires a grade and explain your reasoning behind said
2: grades. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's a good question. It's a good way to. Uh, I-, I would give both of them like a B. Hmm. I'm not like overly excited by either one. Right. I don't think they failed yeah. miserably. I think they're better than average. Like you have this defensive coordinator who's regarded, who has a system. When you have a, a uh, when you have a defense that's named after you. You know? See. You have the Dungy Tampa 2. Yeah. You have the Fangio. You have the Buddy Ryan 46. When you have your own defense that's named after you, that impresses you. Well, I mean, if you're going to run a, a defense, whether I like the style or not, at right. least be the guy who created it instead of the knockoff. Exactly. The sure. just had the knockoff the last two times. Yeah. Gannon <laughs> and Desai were both Fangio disciples. Gotcha. At least give me the guy. The real deal. Yeah. Helen Moore, I would say B. I think he's a very smart um, offensive designer in the pass game. I'm not one of these guys that says you got to run the ball. But when things aren't going well, you have to be pretty sure that Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy that you can lean on. Now, I don't know, maybe they watch him play in that Super Bowl and say, hey, we can win with this guy playing like he did oh in Super Bowl the other year. Which, they're not wrong. If he plays like that, they're going to win. Sure, I mean he he outdueled you know Mahomes on paper, yeah. But he was every bit as good, if not better, than Mahomes yeah.
3: on that day. Absolutely, but he was in a certain system, and that system ain't the system that Kellen Moore is going to run, right? So I'm not going to grade the the men, but I'm grading the higher, if that makes sense, right? I give Vic a B minus. And I'll give offensively Kellen Moore and that hire a C because I just think mm. I, I don't know. Yeah. Right? I don't know. This is right. Kellen Moore's fourth uh, team in four years. All right. He went to a, a lying duck in Brandon Staley. team. Okay. I read fourth. Might be. Either way. Well he was in Dallas for all those years, yeah, and then year he was Chargers,
2: in the Chargers and now Philadelphia.
3: Okay. So well,
4: third it's team. his yeah, it's his third different like position technically. So he was a quarterback's coach in twenty eighteen with Dallas, then was their coordinator from nineteen to twenty two. Yeah, but then he was only with
2: Chits Chargers' his third organization. Yeah, third organization. Yeah. I mean he literally went right off the field to quarterback's coach, yes. to coordinator. Oh, he was an awful quarterback. He's only 35 years old. Yeah, he's, he's an, an awful young, He's a young dude. He was an awesome quarterback in college. Yeah, but he was not NFL. an NFL quarterback. Yeah, he was a backup. He was Boise State. I think his record at Boise State, maybe Joskin. he was like 50-3. and three. When Boise State was winning, like, the Fiesta Bowl, he was the quarterback of those teams. He's only, like, 35 years old. He feels like he's been around forever because Dallas, Philadelphia, and he was the coordinator there for all those... Fouled Dallas teams that had a ton of talent. You yeah. were spot on fifty and three in college at Boise State. Fifty and three. How about that?
3: So, so for me, I I'm not impressed. I, I'm not after these hires, I'm not like, oh baby, let's go. Yeah. I, I just think they're but
2: not, what what hire would have
3: done that for you? I'm
2: though? not I don't like know. that either, but I do have a like there is a part of me that feels like by them hiring established coordinators, yeah, is their way of saying we feel like we are there.
3: Right. But what other option was there?
2: Well, they could have, like...
3: For established, like... For
2: instance, they could have said, I'm the smartest guy in the room and hired Jared Johnson. They were interviewing Jared Johnson, a guy no one's heard of, but he's the new hot name... Let's go that route. And I think that would have signified we're the smartest team in the room. We got the new guy. And the Eagles said, no, we're not going down that route. You know what they yeah. also could have done? They could have waited until the Ravens
4: lost yesterday and went after Denard Wilson for D.C. But they didn't do that. They went with the experienced veteran guy
2: in Vic Fangio. Well,
4: I wonder that if game, that game, I don't want him. <laughs> I wonder if that <laughs> nah, they just, Well,
7: I
2: mean, they only gave up 17 yeah. points. They played well. I mean, if you look at it, the Fangio thing, I think, fell in their lap. I mean, do you guys feel – on Thursday, the press conference was set at 2.30. I think they got a call that said, hey, Vic got out of his deal. 100%. 100%. And that yeah. pushed it back. It was a 30 minute delay. It wasn't exactly. like there was 10 so minutes. So my point yeah. though is, I think that they might have waited for a Denard Wilson or maybe, I don't know, but I think when the fans fancier thing right. dropped in their lap, they said, we're going to do that, you know, and they I, seem obsessed with him. But that's why I give it a B. I'm not overly like they got the, the, the best guys or the most Exciting names, but I feel like they got veteran. And I know Moore's only 35 years old, but he's been a coordinator now for four years. Yeah, I mean, he's so I feel like they got veteran coordinators and they said, look, our blueprint before was let Sirianni kind of run the show and his Election. staff will be a very strong staff. And that blueprint got us to the Super Bowl before. Yeah. Let's go back down that road and get him guys who were a little bit more veteran and you know um, Steichen had yeah. been a coordinator before, Gannon had not. Right. But, you know,
4: we'll see. I'm in a similar campus to you guys. I'm gonna give Kellen Moore a B minus. I'm gonna give Vic Fangio a B plus for what Mike mentioned earlier. I mean you get the founding father, the godfather of the Ben but don't break defense. And for better or for worse, the Eagles weren't gonna change their defensive philosophy, so you might as well get the guy that created it. And then Kellen Moore I agree with you, Ryan. I'm more waiting to see because it's like, all right, he left Dallas. Mike McCarthy took over the play calling. And that offense looked two times more explosive, at least compared to the season prior, right? Yeah. And then he goes to the Chargers. Ninth-ranked offense in the NFL the year prior. He lowers it to 16th. Now, not a huge drop-off, but you got to look at it a little bit they, and say, why yeah, did that happen? They had a lot of injuries. They, yeah. Yeah.
2: That's
4: what I was I mean, they say. lost Mike Williams offensively. Austin Eckler took a step back offensively. But still, you have Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, I mean, a team,
3: barring a few, what was the guy's name? Quentin Johnston, who yeah. dropped all those key passes. Yeah, he was a joke. I do. Pretty that. talented. Yeah. Just to add this. You said, that, well, they weren't going to change anything on defense. For me, I would have liked to seen the opposite. Wink Martindale. Like, no, they're clearly changing their offensive uh, scheme, I, and, they're, I agree. and they're and they're not well, changing the D. I wanted to see them change their defensive philosophy and stick to the Jalen Hurts. You know, I agree
2: with that. I don't love the John Gannon. Look, as much as I said I didn't hate John Gannon, yeah. I thought what he ran was not the style that I love, right. but I thought they did. A, he did a good job with his style here. I don't love the style, but if you're going to have somebody run that style, it might as well be the guy who sure. knows it better than exactly. anybody else. That's
4: that's where I stand. That's why I give him a B plus. The more hiring a B minus, and I'm apparently right. They're not changing the offensive scheme. They're just adding fresh new ideas. Oh, well, I would
2: say this. I, I, what does that mean? I had said something like, "Hey, I had heard something to this effect. Like, you know, Kellen Moore's a guy. They were number one against the blitz. They have a lot of motion in their offense. Eighth we know that offense love to hear that there's a lot of motion." So he has a very, and I said I liked more as the as a pass game coordinator. Yeah, you know, like I liked the Cowboys' offense passing wise. I thought he did not do a good job in the with their running game. But the point here is Sirianni saying, "Look, we can mix your passing things that maybe I'm a little weaker on, and we can." What, did it, what was it like? They, they want to mesh. Yeah. Different yeah they're going to
4: mesh. It. They yeah. want to keep some stuff they were good at, which all I can think of right now is about the tush push. That's about it. And yeah. then add some fresh new ideas from Kellen Moore. We're keeping the tush push, Kellen. Don't <laughs> yeah. even think about it, yeah. all right? All right. That's our one thing we get to keep. All right? yeah. We're good at that. Screen passes too. Yeah. Alright, moving on to number two. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens came up short once again after a 17-10 to loss against the Chiefs in the AFC chip yesterday. So my question for you guys is, you, know, you mentioned it a little bit early on, but do you think Lamar Jackson will ever get over the hump in the NFL playoffs? And, talked about it, I believe, with John McMullen. Do you think it's fair to say he's the Joel Embiid or James Harden of the NFL? That's actually, you talked about it with Mike McGarry. Mm-hmm. But James Harden, were Joel Embiid of the NFL, is that a fair comparison? Uh, right now,
2: yes. And to answer the first question, do I see him winning one? No. Never getting over the hump. No, not as
3: well. He's mm. gotta beat Patrick Mahomes. You were, listen, you were a big fan of Lamar for a while, man. You were, you I, were I'm just, on that bandwagon. You were the captain. I don't think the guy sucks.
2: I just think that... He obviously, like, somebody, you know, you look at that game yesterday. His team was undisciplined. They made a ton of mistakes. He did not play well. Dude. They abandoned the run. They didn't run the ball at all. He has no This voice. was their best team, their best possibility of all the teams so far, and they lost. So I don't know how many more chances he's going to get playing the style that he does. But regardless, he is in the same prime as Mahomes. Think
4: about it, too. What was the excuse the years that he fell short? Didn't have enough playmakers on offense. And grand, you lost J.K. Dobbins the first game of the year, and you really had a committee in the backfield after that. Gus Edwards has nothing to write home about. But you had the receivers, plenty of playmakers, you know, in the passing game.
3: Yeah, well, look at Patrick Mahomes. And 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 the the defense balled out. Yeah, that defense was unbelievably talented. That was a an extremely talented defense, and that's an offense that was, was unreal all year long. I mean, they were just putting up a ton of numbers, stupid numbers, and Lamar Jackson just ain't it. I said earlier, winning is a talent. Mahomes is the definition of it. And Lamar, he lacked poise. He was forcing things. He was panicked. He he looked he looked awful. And he's looked say,
4: unimpressive his whole career in the postseason. I agree. I will say that one interception when he was trying to target likely likely put his hands up in the air like he was wide open. He had three defenders three dudes. on him and he what got you, picked off. What are you doing? So I will blame decision. him for fifty percent of that play. But as as Lamar as the QB of a team in the AFC chip, you should know better. Read it.
3: Yeah, you can't throw I it the three care guys. That likely
4: was waving at him. Yeah. That's yeah. not on him. No. No. I
3: mean, I think exactly what are you, out of your mind. Yeah.
4: That's, I'll, I'll, what do you mean? Not on who? Lamar? Or, no, or it's, not unlikely. it's not on Likely. It's not on Likely. I'd say it's about 60-40. No, Likely's no, waving like he's no. completely wide open. Lamar's going to think receiver about that. Like but also, open. Lamar was panicked there. Eh, he's throw force me the ball. Throw. I'm open. Yeah. Lamar
3: cannot. That's That's... That's 100%. He's got to make the read. He's
4: got to make the read, but in a situation like that, panic back against the wall, the that's a receiver, backup quarterback throw. The
3: wide
2: receiver can't see that the other safety is on it. He's seeing that he beat his man. He doesn't realize that the other guy's coming over. Lamar has to see that. Yeah. That's the problem. He throws the ball into triple coverage. The receiver can't see that he's triple covered. He sees, I beat my man. Well, he didn't see the other two guys converge on him. Lamar has to see that, and and he just can't right now. Um, he made a panic throw. He Look. He has far exceeded people's expectations for him. He's been the MVP of the league. He's had this team as the number one seed. People don't even think he should have played the position. So for people to say the guy isn't good enough, that's bizarre. But he might not be good enough to be a Super Bowl, the Super Bowl champion.
3: Yeah, well, then what do you have? You got nothing.
2: Guys, well, if you're you only judged on Tartner, being a world champion, the then, then yeah, he's a failure. Right. But I wouldn't say he's a failure. I would say right. that. So that tells you where this league is. You got a guy who's the MVP of the league and we're trying to say he
3: sucks. What kind of planet do I well, have? Well, he does. Hey, listen, if, if we all can sit here confidently and say he's not a Super Bowl quarterback, if I'm the owner, if I'm the GM, if I'm the head coach, you say, okay, what do we have? Well, guess what? What do we have if we don't have a Lombardi? Are you you have clone no own Patrick Mahomes? No, but you could get another guy. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like, well, no, this guy's not good enough? No How Patrick. many
2: guys are good enough to say that that guy you, is good you enough? You try and
3: get someone. Yeah, you, but you don't just settle for a guy that you know can't get you a championship. Well, who are you getting? Anyone but him. Think about it this way, though. it' Mike just what said, give me a name. I, I, the point is. And then my Mark answer Gil- to you would be, that guy's not good enough either. So do you think Lamar Jackson can win a Super Bowl? I, if the answer is no, a, then what are we doing? Well, then I would say because there's other guys in the NFL, despite them not being Mahomes, that you sit there and, and and assess and say I can win the Super Bowl with that guy. That's my point. They're not Mahomes, but you sit there and say, yeah, he can win, I the, mean, Super can Bowl he win
2: the Super Bowl. Yes, I think Lamar Jackson can win the Super Bowl. Yesterday yeah, was don't. the kind of game where. The game, the style made the game. It's seventeen. What were they lose? Seventeen, 17 ten. Right. So it was an ugly game. It's not like the Chiefs scored thirty eight points on you. They struggled offensively. They didn't have their best day either. But they found a way to win the game. So could Lamar Jackson have found a way to win that game? Yeah, sure. If yes. Flowers doesn't fumble going into the end zone, maybe we're having a different conversation. So that's my point. Can he win that game? Yes, but he needs the same
4: help that everybody else gets. He could have used a five, per pardon me, 11 for 11 for 116 and one touchdown that Travis Kelsey gave home last night. That yeah. won them the game. I mean, he was, was his best receiver by Who's far. Who Travis no, Kelsey the on the Ravens? Nobody. Exactly.
2: I mean, Zay Flowers had similar yardage, but yeah. he made two bonehead mistakes. Exactly. So as a Jackson put the, gave the guy the ball, put him in position to make the play. The guy fumbled, and then he gets him the ball, and he gets called for taunting. And that cost him because they had to move back 15 yards. Right, and then he
3: fumbled after so that. You so you would have had to play. die.
4: If he didn't taunt and move back, fifteen and maybe, yards. Listen,
3: maybe they win. I agree with both of you one thousand percent. But let's not say Lamar Jackson played a good game. I'm not saying no. that. And Lamar Jackson is the reason Baltimore is uh, going to Cancun. I'm Wait, not saying that either.
2: But like Brock Purdy yesterday, are you saying that? Okay, yes, I can win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy right
9: now. Yeah, he more so than Lamar play a Jackson. Great
2: game yesterday, but he made plays. That's it, and exactly, and that was like Lamar yesterday. He didn't play great, but he. He makes the play with Flowers, and now he needs Flowers to do his part, and Flowers doesn't. All was, right, well, yeah. perfect segue, because that we're going to talk about Brock Purdy
4: next. Sticking with national news, after his performance leading a 17-point second-half comeback against the Lions, where do you stand on Brock Purdy's status as an NFL quarterback? Do you think he has dismissed
2: the game manager or system quarterback allegations? I've never <laughs> said that about him. I always like Purdy. I think that Purdy is very good. Um, is he elite? No. There's so few guys that are in that elite. It's like we're. It's like all things to sports. He right? might be elite. If you're not, if you can't, if you're not the team that wins a championship, we want you to suck. Like there, you can't be right. in the middle. You're not allowed to be at, like good, not great. You're not allowed to be great. You can either be elite or you're not good enough. Brock Purdy has. I said this way back in the middle of the season. The 49ers told you the answer to the question. They traded so much draft capital. Yeah. Number two pick <laughs> to go get Trey Lance. And they told you this guy's better. Right. Yeah. So we're admitting that we made a mistake. We're not going to say we gave up so much to get this guy. So he has to be our guy. No, they said this guy's better. Love that. And here they are in the Super Bowl. They were right, everybody else was wrong, and I've never been the guy that said Purdy can't play. You know why? Every single week, he makes plays where you're like, that's a great play, that's a great decision, that's a great throw. And I said the difference yesterday, like him and Goff, Goff was good yesterday too. But when push comes to shove, when the pressure comes, Goff can't get out of the way. How many times did Purdy
3: save them because he can move? A ton. I mean, dude, listen, that's a 17-point comeback. They're down 24-7 at half in a title game. And I have not been a fan of Brock Purdy. But guess what? Just like I'm critical of Lamar Jackson, why am I critical? The playoffs. And what has Brock Purdy shown me in the last two games in the playoffs? That he has it. Yeah. So the that's, made, that's the difference. So Brock Purdy's a winner. The play he made
2: yesterday to Jennings... Where he's running, and they're like, the one thing you can't do is throw the ball down the middle of the field across your body. Well, he does that. He slides out of a tackle and somehow gets the ball. Now, both players, the throw that he makes, but the catch is even... But, like, still... That throw and play and everything he makes on that play, Purdy is yeah.
4: a big part of that. He's yeah, I gamer. think he deserves his flowers this morning or this, you know, afternoon at this point. I mean, the 49ers were 0 and 5 when trailing by 14 or more points at any point in a game since 2022. Brock Purdy, with his performance yesterday, made it 1 and 5 huge. in the yeah. NFC championship game. So yes, I think deal. he has beat those allegations. Trying to separate myself Cut. and my bias as an Eagles fan to look at it objectively, yeah. he gets scolded for every poor decision he makes. But you don't take into consideration the great decision he makes week in and week out. He throws a pick. He throws a second pick. It's like, oh, this guy's so dumb. He's not a good quarterback. But when he makes these great plays, it's like, oh, the system. At some point, the quarterback's leading that charge,
2: man. For sure. Stop making an excuse and say it's the system or it's Shanahan's
4: offense.
9: The
2: system has to be run by the right guy. Right. they said... We have a guy who was the second pick of the draft. We traded all this draft to go get that guy, and this guy's the right guy. And they chose him over,
4: I don't want to say a good vet, but a pretty decent vet Jimmy Garoppolo who had been running that system, system for, for that years. went to the Super Bowl. Exactly for years. I, I think I mean,
3: both can be true. Like, yes, yeah. that system, maybe they can plug and play a lot of guys that yeah. can have success, but that doesn't mean Brock Purdy isn't the real deal. I, look, is he elite? I don't know. What happens if he wins the yeah, Super Bowl? I think he is. I think the last two games showed me he's a top 10. What I would guy. say
2: about Brock Purdy too is, as like you said, to me, that guy is a competitor. A I will take him on my side. Now, he might have a complete egg. Right. I'll take him over to the bar. I think he'll leave everything out there. Yeah. All right, moving on to number four,
4: let's talk about Jason Kelsey. He had some pretty interesting quotes in the Philadelphia Inquirer on an interview with Olivia Reiner of the Inquirer, and, well, I found a few of these quotes interesting. I won't read the entire interview and all those quotes, but we'll start off. In the article, Kelsey stated, quote, And I really, really look forward to next year. I look forward to trying to prove people wrong, especially with some of the recent hires and Nick Sirianni. Later in the article, he then went on to say, quote, And I don't know what's going to happen for me, but I do know... I still want to be involved in the organization and still want to be a part of it, regardless of what the decision is, because I don't want to ever feel like I'm on the outside looking in on these achievements and these accolades and these opportunities that largely represent entire cities and fan bases and organizations. Finished with, it's too good a feeling to pass up. What do you guys take away from those Jason Kelsey quotes in the Inquirer that released
3: today? I don't know. Right. I think we're going to be over. I know we're going to be over analyzing Jason, Kelsey, Willie, or Roldy until September. I found that interesting, though. Like, if he doesn't no. come back as a first no, player. No, 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 what? no. way. Not till September. Well, I'm he's, saying he's until... going to
2: let the team uh, know, know yeah. so that they can make their moves. Uh, whether okay. they have to draft someone, whether he's coming back so they don't have to draft someone. Like, if he's out. And they have to move Juergens to center. I think a guard becomes in play for them at 22. I think he lets them know pre-draft. Yeah, I think he lets them know... I hope he does. But I will say, I do think he's conflicted because of what's going on right now, his brother and all this stuff. I think he's certainly seen it. Man, I I feel like I still... Well, like John McMullen said, he gets a few of these weeks off. His batteries
4: recharge a bit, and he kind of feels like he can do it because, oh, yeah, by the way, he's the best center in
3: the NFL. Dude, listen, we're going to be talking about Jason Kelsey until he's two-plus years retired. Center goes down in October. Uh, maybe call, maybe call Jace. Maybe right. Jace listen, Jace, this story, it's up? not going away. Even if he lets them know before the draft, we're going to keep bringing his name up every chance we Yeah. Get. I, I definitely though think we'll have yes, he's done or
2: no, he's not going to play before maybe even free agency. Okay. So since my fifth question is pretty free general, he starts in like less than a, uh, a
4: little, what, like a little over a month. Since my fifth question is pretty general and I can just ask it throughout the entire show, I'll ask a follow-up. If he retires and stays in the organization in some position, where do you see that being? Front office, coaching staff, in the O-line room with Stoutland? If you had a
3: gut feeling, what (laughs) would you say? I don't know, man. It's a good question. It obviously depends on what he would want, right? Does he want to be coaching? Does he want to be just like helping him out behind the scenes? He has a media career. Does he right. want to
4: be in the organization. Right.
3: Well, it sounds like said, he yeah. said he wants
4: to. Yeah. Like, yeah. he wants Would to he be a part of both, it I guess? in
2: some capacity. Because I think a lot of people just assumed, hey, he's going to be the next co host of the Sports Bash, you know? Like, right. something to that effect. He's going to be on the radio somewhere. Or one of the networks is going yeah, to pick Prime him up. He'll be on Prime or, or, or ESPN.
3: He's got right? the biggest sports show in the world. He ain't going anywhere. Right, He yeah. does do that yeah. one day a week. He could stick to that and be in exactly. the organization. He's the number one show in the world right now. He does that once a week. He and does... They talk about the same stuff every week. It's crazy, dude. It's <laughs> crazy. I know a lot of people
2: always want to throw the name of the popular player, and have him be the next coach of the team or the coordinator. You know, Seth Joyner needs to be the defensive coordinator, and Chase Otley needs to be the Phillies manager. Like, yeah. I don't know that Jason Kelsey is going to want to sit in a position room and be
3: No, that's coach. what he wants to get away from.
2: All right, All right, I'll ask my fifth question a little bit later on since it has
4: to do with the big game, but that was, at least for now, four with Danny Ryan. <laughs>
2: Four from Danny and I. <laughs> you get five. Later. Fantastic four. See yeah. if you can unlock five later. All right. Uh, Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the Kelsey thing, I before I felt he was definitively done. Now I'm starting to see him and get this feeling of, like, he still has the juice in him. Yeah. I'd love to see him come back. Obviously, we all would, but... I'll tell you, of all the guys, because like, you're like, alright, at some point the sentimentality, you have to get away from it. Like, you cut ties with Fletcher Cox, you cut ties with Brandon Graham, right. I think it's probably time to move on from those guys, but do you feel the same way about Jason Kelsey? Is Jason Kelsey the Dawkins, where you let, you, you cut ties with everybody who was 30, but he was the one guy that you cut ties with, and then it backfired on you? Yeah. Is Kelsey the one guy that you say, you know, all these other guys, we gotta start, making tough decisions on yeah. except for him he's still playing at a high level all right uh, when we come back football at four jeff mosher in the house he's going to break down and analyze what he's hearing about kellen moore and how he'll fit in with the eagles as the new offensive coordinator that's coming up
1: jersey 97.3 espn presents the sports bash with mike gill it's time for football at four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Just
0: hungry to bring back another Lombardi to Philly. It's uh, the fans deserve it. Our team deserves it. Uh, culture begs for it.
1: Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios. This is football at four,
2: powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It is brought to you by Bet Three Six Five. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast is here, and we'll get his take on everything that's happening right now around this Eagles team. As we've seen some news over the weekend, the Eagles officially named uh, Vic Fangio, the head of the defense, and Kellen Moore will be the new offensive coordinator. And as you guys talked about on the Inside the Birds podcast, kind of an interesting blend, this mesh of Sirianni's offense, and Moore's offense. So uh, your initial reaction to how Moore's offense fits with the personnel of Philadelphia, Jeff Mosher.
5: Well, you know, Kellen Moore is known for his ability to scheme guys open, for having a good downfield pass attack. He's a versatile guy, Mike and Ryan, in that he blends two different offensive concepts. I mean, he, he kind of came out of Boise, spread offense, quarterback there, uh, an air Coriel type of guy, which is a very vertical offense. But under Mike McCarthy, started to incorporate the West Coast, the traditional old school West Coast um, offense that Mike McCarthy ran in Green Bay for so long and went into L.A. and showed you a little bit of both. I mean, for a guy who likes to spread the field and throw the ball at 11 personnel he did play a decent amount of 12 personnel with the chargers uh, especially in the red zone so adaptable uh in that regard uses motion a whole lot so your question of how does that match with what Nick Sirianni does well it doesn't to be honest with you but but might, might be a good thing so um he's gonna come in and you know and we'll see if he if, if Nick Sirianni is being completely honest then this will, the autonomy of the offense will go to Kellen Moore. And I think the personnel, Mike, fits Kellen Moore, Mike Enry, and uh, fits fits him pretty well. If you're an offensive coordinator and you're looking around and someone offers you a job and you've got a couple of opportunities, but someone says, well, you have a chance to coach, you know, an offense that has AJ uh, Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, this offensive line and Jalen Hurts. I think that that's a pretty enticing, um, set of weapons for a guy who's really, coming in and being asked to resurrect an offense, it's almost like he gets to start with the reputation of, of um, you know, I don't want to say start off with the wrong foot, but it's not like the Eagles were smashing record. But, you know, Brian Johnson had to live up to a reputation. That was tough uh, from Shane Steichen. Here, Kellen Moore just has to be better than that.
2: Yeah, we were talking earlier uh, with John McMullen, and we asked him, is there something that Dallas offense did that you liked and now are looking forward to see how he might use that player here
5: yeah that's interesting because I, first of all I, I feel like there's a, a, a real irony in what happened in Dallas you know they they hired Mike McCarthy but they thought so fondly of Kellen Moore that they told Mike McCarthy you're hired but Kellen Moore is your play caller and Kellen Moore was the play caller and then in the second year of Mike McCarthy they Convinced Jerry Jones that, you know, Mike needed to be the play caller. Let's move on from Kellen Moore. Let's do what Mike McCarthy wants to do. Two tight ends, run the ball, balance your offense. Well, if you watch Dallas last year, as the season went on, they threw the heck out of the ball. They were eighth in passing yards, number one in passing touchdowns. So they literally got rid of Kellen Moore to balance out their offense and then wound up throwing the ball as much as anybody, um, you know, among the top in the league. But what I, what I think stands out and I don't know if this is a Kellen Moore thing, guys, or a Dak Prescott thing, so it's going to be hard to see, is that Jake Ferguson, well, first Dalton Schultz really emerged in Kellen Moore's offense. He was not supposed to be this you know, prolific tight end, and he wound up becoming one. And then when he left to Houston this year, um, obviously Jake Ferguson took a big step up. Now, that was for Dallas with Dak, and, and Moore was in L.A., but I just wonder if the tight end, Dallas Goddard, is the guy I'm kind of wondering if, he can be unlocked. If the middle of the field, Mike and Ryan, is the area that gets unlocked in a Kellen Moore offense.
3: If you're Jalen Hurts, I know it's impossible to, to really predict this, but if you're Jalen Hurts, are you excited about this hire? Because sort of to what you've already alluded to, Mosh, it's a it's a big difference. Like this is, I assume at least, this is going to be a big change as far as scheme, game plan, identity from an offensive standpoint, whether he's under center, more, more motion, and just more passing attempts throughout the entire year. So, you know, I, I don't know. Is that what Jalen wants? Is that what, what's best for him, you think?
5: Well, I think you're you're asking the question that I, I look forward to finding out the answers yeah. to. And, you know, maybe down in Mobile, Alabama this week when I get to catch up with some people around the league, I'll get a better feel. But what I don't know about Jalen Hurts is how he feels about motion in the offense we know from nick sirianni that nick didn't feel like motion was necessary and that the only reason that you would really need motion is to get a tell on what the defense is doing is it man or is it zone but other offensive people in the league will tell you that you can use motion and shifting not full motion for a variety of reasons for keeping the defense off balance for limiting substitutions if you're hurrying up for you know giving the defense one look and presenting another it's not just about figuring out whether they're in man or zone some quarterbacks do not like motion Peyton Manning is infamous for not wanting motion he didn't want anything getting in front of his face and flying around and all that kind of stuff right so I don't know how Jalen Hurts feels about it I just know that they haven't used a lot of motion but if he's someone that doesn't like it I could see that being a little problematic.
3: Yeah, now that we have these guys in place, what do you think is at the top of the to-do list for personnel decisions? Right, you say, okay, well, now that I know who we got on both sides of the ball, is there anything that stands out to you, Jeff Mosher, as far as sort of predicting what how we may may want to do here before the start of next season?
5: Well, I think when you go out and you get two guys of the the experience of Vic Fangio has and Kellen Moore and their track record of success. Then it puts the onus now on Howie to make sure that these guys can go out and coach with success. I mean, there have been times where the Eagles had some pretty good coaches. You look back on like the last two years of Jim Schwartz, which people kind of remember not, not fondly, but you know, he had, um, he had, uh, who's the defensive back? Corey Unlim was the defensive back's coach. He had a pretty, oh, Ken Flajole was a linebackers coach and it was like these guys are doing an awful job well you know unlin's been a defensive coordinator and he's still coaching right now ken flinchol is going to be in the super bowl again as the linebackers coach for the kansas city chiefs it wasn't on them they just had really bad talent at linebacker corner and safety and that was from years and years and years of misfiring at that position both in the draft and in many cases free agency right so now there's no room for misfires here Howie Roseman has to rebuild the linebacker, the safety, and the corner room uh, in this offseason and make it good enough so that Vic Fangio can do what he wants to do uh, defensively. Offensively, a lot of the pieces are already in place. I don't think he has to do a whole lot. However, I think a number three receiver, which is kind of a big thing for Kellen Moore in his offenses the last few years, you probably want somebody more reliable than the conglomerate that you got last year of Quez Watkins and Olamide Zaccheaus and Julio Jones.
2: Yeah, Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast, football at four here on the Sports Bash. We're live at the Gallery Bar booking and Games at Ocean Casino. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I looked at with these hires was they got some veteran strong coordinators, and the message to me is, as you kind of said, now Howie Gets the strong coordinators, and now it's my turn to go out and do my part. I've got. So I think this is a sign they're going to be pretty aggressive because I think they think that they are a lot closer than maybe the fans think right now.
5: Yeah, I I would agree with you. I I think that it it doesn't take like a, a juggernaut of a team, I don't think, to win the NFC East. You know, the Eagles only lost it by what, a game this last year, and we know the history. Nobody's repeated. As champion, and next year will be if there's a different champion. Twenty straight years, so I still think you look at them and you say it's Eagles and Dallas, and Dallas is, was unable to get any further in the playoffs, and they've got their issues too that they'll have to resolve. Uh, they may lose some coaches, and we will see what happens with Dan Quinn. So I, I, I don't think it's I don't think that they are far from being able to contend to win the NFC East again. The the one thing you wonder is how far away are they from being a Super Bowl? contender. You can say if you win the NFC East you're in the playoffs, you're a top four seed, so that makes you a contender, but we know that there's, there's especially this year, right? There was a distinction between basically the 49ers and then the other good teams in the NFC, and that's why they're in the Super Bowl right now.
2: Yeah, um, you know, you mentioned, like, I, I think Kellen Moore probably didn't have to be sold all that much on the <laughs> personnel here. He's probably looking at this offensive roster and saying, yeah, sign me up. Um, but this reminds me a lot of the of oddly, the team from two years ago, Jeff, where they got they went down to Tampa and got bombed, but realized we, we need work, and they went out and got Hassan Redick and then Bradbury and ch- traded for Chauncey garner Johnson and traded for A.J. Brown. Like I think yeah. it was a good ass whipping for them that they kind of needed almost to, to open their eyes that we need to get stronger coordinators, stronger coaching, and we need more talent.
5: One hundred percent. And to your point, I do think they still need to make moves among their coaching staff, position coaching, and assist and assistants, which they're doing. You know, they're out there still looking. Um, They're giving permission for people who were with them last year to seek else uh, other jobs, and they're starting to interview names of people who have experience in this league. And I, you know, you you go. I don't want to cherry pick one example, but Andy Reid always had a very strong staff here, and look at how many people those. That he had, whether Sean McDermott or John Harbaugh or Ron Rivera, you know, people who went on and Steve Spagnolo to either become really good head coaches or really good coordinators elsewhere, right? And so I think the Eagles need to kind of have that um, in their pipeline again. They've got to have strong, solid veteran coaches. Now I think it's unfortunate that guys like Sean Desai, guys like Alex Tanney, some good, even Brian Johnson are gonna be at the expense of this. Because if I was running the show, I would say, yeah, we're gonna bring in a new quarterback coach who has experience, but I would like to keep Alex Tanny and maybe as an assistant quarterback coach and just acknowledge that maybe last year was a little bit too much for a guy who's only been a, a quality control coach to now be the position coach of the most important position in the game. Mm-hmm. But the Eagles for <laughs> this is my I guess I'm gonna be accused of being negative. I've been reading the comments lately. But they are awful. With their position, they are hiring and firing assistant coaches every freaking year. And nobody ever wonders why Like their vetting process is. Nobody ever wonders. They always every, At the beginning of the year, you know the cycle, right? You're down on the team when then they, they lose. Then the offseason comes. Guys get hired. They kind of hit the reset button. Then comes the draft and the free agency. Then everybody loves the Eagles again. But nobody really takes a deep inside look about how often this team is replacing position coaches and coordinators and have zero sort of stability among those ranks compared to, like, the Chiefs or the Ravens or some other rock-solid yeah. organizations.
2: Jeff, um, the Fangio thing's interesting. Now that the dust has settled, because did this just happen the day of the presser? Like, did this fall into their lap and they just reverse courts? Because it seemed that they were the guys they were interviewing. The names that were at least mentioned were a shift from the Fangio system. Did this just happen like at two thirty on Wednesday, and they were like, "Oh, look at this," and and they went back down that road. Like, w- w- like when the Fangio thing happened, did that just change everything? Do you think?
5: I mean, it sure looks that way. You know, the Eagles wanted Fangio as as early as last year and the whole, it's just the timing didn't work out with when Gannon got his job. But to your point, Mike, I was actually tantalized, right, as a journalist about their interviewing of Mike Caldwell for the job. Not because I think, you know, hey, Mike Caldwell, he's a legend or anything, but Mike Caldwell is a branch from the Todd Bowles tree. And what he's known for, he may not blitz as much as Todd Bowles. I don't remember Jacksonville being like that crazy. But what he's known for is if he's going to attack you, he could attack you from any of the three levels. He could just four-man rush you. He could blitz a linebacker. He could blitz a nickel. He could blitz a safety. Even if he's just rushing five, you don't know where that fifth is coming from. And that's what Steve Spagnolo does a great job of, and you've seen that against the Eagles with Trent McDuffie, right, and you just throughout the playoffs. Um, he does a great job of that. So I thought maybe the Eagles were now looking to get back to their – attacking ways. You know, they've never been a big blitz team, but when they had Jim Johnson, they would attack you from angles you weren't Mm -hmm. used to. And I thought maybe that they were getting back to that, but I think the allure of being able to get Vic Fangio sort of, as you just mentioned, sort of like conquered all. And when he became available, they pounced.
2: All right, Moshe, uh, we got all the Eagles stuff happening. Of course, now they have their coordinators. I want to get some quick thoughts. We've been going back and forth. Uh, Obviously, Dan Campbell's decisions yesterday. Mm -hmm. Where do you stand?
5: so i'm of the mindset that if you do something uh so here's here's first of all i'll say i'm of the mindset that you know there's no right or wrong like two things can be true i know that that's almost impossible to um believe in in this world of immediate hot takes and reactions but i think he was fine in going for it i thought it made sense given what their identity is and who they are on those fourth downs um but i also understand people who might say yeah but you know, there are certain situations where you can't just always push the pedal to the metal. So I get that. But I looked at those two situations and I didn't see flaw in his logic, his thinking. And I don't necessarily know that if they do it differently, that they're definitely going to win that game. But what I do adamantly believe against is the idea that you, you coach or manage a playoff game differently than a regular season game, I have heard that so much, and that makes absolutely zilch sense to me because you don't get to those moments without being what, what you are in the regular season is who you are, and I think if you're a Philadelphia, well, don't you not
2: think so, sometimes that's the problem though? What you are in no. the regular season is who you are, and then you're not good enough to be a, a playoff. T- you're not good enough to be well, a. Then you wouldn't have
5: been good enough anyway, though, Mike. Like I, mm. I was the guy defending Kevin Cash from the from the the Rays when he pulled his pitcher after six, what, one-hit innings uh, a couple years ago against the Astros? Because that's what they did. That's what got him there, and their bullpen wasn't a weakness. It was a strength. So they went from a strength to a strength, in my mind. So I defended it. But I just don't think you change who you are in the playoffs. Now, you can add, you can do things differently. You can throw in a wrinkle that you haven't done before, but your identity should be what you are. And I don't understand people who think you shouldn't have the same identity, or you should manage playoff game differently than a regular season game. I I don't believe that at all.
3: Yeah, I I just, and I said this earlier, but Mm. now that you're here, I, I just feel like that would have been a bigger side eye to me. Just to go off your point, I mean, he has led the league. hundred percent. You know, like I don't even need to go down the rabbit hole of what I'm about to do the rant. Like mm-hmm. he, that is who he is. That the numbers back it up. The analytics right. backed up and supported it, right? So, like, if he, if lost, he all of a sudden been
5: conservative, he would have yeah. stepped outside. Of, listen, like we Philadelphia, right? We, if Doug Peterson right. goes for three instead of the Philly special it would have been an abandonment of character. But a lot of people would have argued, you need those points. The Patriots had just scored a touchdown on their prior drive. It was getting tight. You know you're going to need every point you need against the Patriots. But Doug Peterson did what he did all year. And I don't think the Eagles win the Super Bowl without the Philly special. So if you thought that that was the right play at that moment because that's what the Eagles do, I don't see how you could second-guess Campbell for what he was doing.
3: Yeah. Uh, What do you think about Lamar Jackson yesterday?
5: I think he played a bad game. <laughs>
3: yeah,
5: I, th- I think Todd true. Munkin didn't do him any favors either. They they barely ran the ball in the first half. It was a team was
2: effort weird. of ineptitude.
5: Oh, of course, of course. He sure. wasn't the only one. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing Todd Munkin in there too, the offensive yeah. play caller. But it just was a very vanilla game. It wasn't – there was no flow to their offense. They wasted one of the best defensive efforts and best defensive teams you're ever going to see. Um, they did play a very good defensive team and a, and a coordinator who's probably going to be – a first ballot of Hall of Famer. I think that's the under discussed theme. Like people talk about Mahomes and Andy Reid, but Spagnolo is about to win maybe his fourth Super Bowl. As a defensive coordinator
3: on defense. Yeah.
5: They're, they're really, really tough and they are, they will, they conned Lamar so many times thinking like he's thrown into man when it wound up being two, mm. two shell zone. Then he's thinking two shell zone. They come after him in man blitz. they Spags did such a great job, so I don't want to, like, take credit away from that. But, you know, the, the, the Ravens offense was just not very good.
2: No, um, and look, I thought Lamar did not play well, made bad decisions. They, they fooled him a lot. He also didn't get a lot of help. The Styles make fights, and it was an ugly game, and he needed someone to help him out. Um, 100%. The Jay Chiefs got help. help <laughs> right, the Chiefs got someone to help Mahomes out, and – Lamar on a day where he's saying, look, I'm not my best, but I'm doing whatever I can. You weren't there. You know, like I think Flowers was uh, – you could almost say Flowers had a worse day than
5: Lamar. <laughs> I, I definitely wish Flowers would have not fumbled there and did the taunting thing because I would have liked to have seen a more maybe epic finish, right? Yeah, um yeah. Because let's face it, both teams sucked in the second half. I mean, the the Ravens defense was great in the second half. Kansas City made one play that they needed, right? I mean, a couple of scrambles from Mahomes, but really the, the MVS play was the icer. That was like a big play, but most of their big plays came in the first half.
3: Well, Mahomes is, is we talk about game manager, and I heard, like, I think Orlovsky talk about this the other day or and this morning. Mahomes was an unbelievable game manager in the second half. He knew that was an excellent defense. He knew they were having trouble scoring, and he said, I'm not taking sacks. I'm not throwing a pick, right? Like, that That was a huge deal to Gill's point about like adjusting. Like I thought that was brilliant of
7: Mahomes. I, I
5: agree with you. I think it's very I think the Mahomes of a couple of years ago, if you remember in when they lost to um the Bengals, was it, right? Yeah, he yeah. was game. They're up eighteen and running that game. Around. Remember yeah. he was throwing he was throwing passes like while he was perpendicular to the ground. Yeah. I mean he was he was just doing some crazy thing. now he didn't have a great defense, so he probably felt he needed, but you credit him for knowing that I've got a great defense now. I don't have to make stupid, crazy, silly, superhuman plays. I just got to be consistent. You know, Brady did that. There were times where Brady just let his defense win games, especially early in the career. And there were times where he had to be a superhuman and and come back from twenty-eight three.
2: Yeah, well, that's and that's where it's like the style of the game yesterday. It's like Mahomes understood the game was not. I have to be Superman. We just have to make a couple plays. Whereas I think. Lamar had the feeling of if I'm not Superman, we're not going to win and then that forces him into making mistakes and not playing well.
5: Yeah, that's a fair point. That is fair. Now, Zay Flowers had a bad game. He's a really good player but I feel like that Ravens team without Mark Andrews, they just don't have like a Mr. Reliable. I mean, Zay's a rookie. He made rookie mistakes. Beckham's a good player but he's not Travis Kelsey. What they need is like the market the Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews type of guy, you know, who just is there when you need him, you know.
2: Uh, all right, Sports Bass Live, 97.3 ESPN. Good conversation today with Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast. And, of course, uh, we'll have plenty more for football at four. Uh, we're getting ready for free agency soon. Draft season will be here. And uh, now that the Eagles have their coordinators, the offseason uh, is underway. But we do have the Super Bowl. And, of course, you can hear Super Bowl 58 right here on 97.3 ESPN. Thanks, Moshe.
5: All right, guys, I'll talk to you from Mobile in a few days.
2: Yeah, man, we're looking forward to that. Draft season's here. It's one of our favorite times. Uh, and in a few days, actually a week from tomorrow, uh, we will be setting sail for Mandalay Bay. We will be Vegas. in Vegas on Radio Row this year. And we've got uh, a good guest lineup already kind of compiling. It's one of those weeks where... You're always just seeing somebody different, hearing from somebody different, a lot of different perspectives. And we're looking forward to bringing you that show next week here on the Sports Bash. We will be live in Vegas for three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, with three Radio Row shows. And, of course, that is Scott Grayson and I will be out there. Grayson has been with me really since the beginning. We've been to, uh, I think, five shows together, Scott and I on the road. And uh, we will do that again next week, but today we are here in Atlantic City at the Granddaddy of the Mall, the Ocean, the Gallery, Bar Booking Games, and I'd like to know what all these people are doing at the bar on Monday afternoon at uh, 424. It's, I feel jealous, right? Not it's, a bad life. Uh, it's a party going on in here today. <laughs> Great spot, as always. Love it here at Ocean Casino. Mike and Ryan, our on-site producer, Danny Ryan, we got Sound of the Day. Uh, tonight, one thought, every game, Casey Joiner, 530- All your text messages have been coming in all afternoon. We're going to get into the best ones of the day, 609-403-0973. You blame Dan Campbell or nah? I totally disagree, though, with what Mosher said. Yes, I know you do. Uh, and we got some people in the text board reacting to that yeah. as well. The so Lamar Jackson uh, obviously had a rough day. The, the Ravens are the Ravens. Do they need to break it up? Do they need to change the coach? Maybe is it time to take that drastic of a change mm-hmm. in Baltimore? Joel and beat out tonight.
3: That's that was a that was a business decision. That's smart. <laughs>
2: It's an interesting business decision, though, because he's now getting close to the number of games. Does that matter to him? Does it not matter to him? Do the Sixers care? Do the Sixers not care? Right. All right. So there's a lot there, too. The Eagles have had their coordinators hired. So any way you want to go on the Tech Sports, 609-403-0973. You can even go Flyers if you want. Flyers have lost five in a row. Are we starting to see their true colors? And how about Torts the other night? You see this Yeah, he's, dude, he's a legend. He says to the reporter Anthony Sanfilippo, were you the guy that is, an- I'm not answering your question. <laughs> yeah, he,
3: he is. Well, wow, is that weak sauce? I mean, no, I, I respect Torts because he keeps it, he keeps it 100. He does, but he I think he reads if, the stuff that's out there. I,
2: I feel like some coaches would be getting pretty critical, like, you're going to tell a guy that you're not going to answer any of his questions now?
3: Yeah, that's a little harsh, but Philly's harsh. He gives it right back.
2: All right, more Sports Bash on the way, 97.3 ESPN.
8: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app.
7: Greg Roman, every single person
2: needs to apologize to you because you got blamed for everything about what was wrong
8: in Baltimore, and it wasn't you. This new guy that we praised the hell out of. Todd Munkin. Yeah, Todd Munkin. By the way, you
2: you don't have Tom Brady. Do you realize your quarterback is Lamar Jackson, not Tom Brady. What in the hell are you doing dropping back 82% of the time? This is a team that led the NFL in rushing attempts. They had six whopping rushing attempts to the running backs. That was Rex Ryan this morning saying we need everybody needs to apologize to Holy Spirit alum and Vetner resident Greg Roman, who you know, a lot of people kinda listed as the fall guy for these Ravens teams failing
3: in the playoffs. Oh, and I know I know a handful of Ravens fans that I remember. When Roman got fired, they were like, oh, my, finally, he stinks. Now Lamar's really going to be able to run the offense, yada, yada, yada. Bro, if Roman was the O.C. yesterday, the Ravens are in the Super Bowl. That's that's how much I, I look at that difference and the impact he, he made. Well...
2: Interesting take from Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan had a lot of interesting takes. Uh, everybody had a lot of interesting takes this morning with those games yesterday. I'll tell you what, as lines. much as like we've been talking about the Campbell and, you know, the, the Niner Lions game yesterday was just a great game. Oh, a lot of fun. Yeah. Great plays, ball off the guy's helmet. He catches, I mean, there <laughs> were just so many things that happened in those games yesterday. Uh, two different style games. The ASC game, you know, more grimy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFC game, more back and forth. Uh, But it led to a lot of conversation for today's sound of the day.
4: Yeah,
10: if I could just follow up. By the way, that was Rex Ryan on Get Up this morning on ESPN Television. If I could just follow up with that audio with Ryan, because Ryan, you may have just made the comment, and I don't want to take your words out of context, but you basically said that if Greg Roman was the head coach, that's why the office coordinator yesterday, instead of Todd Munkin, the Ravens are in the Super
3: Bowl, Correct. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I just feel like you look so, at so Roman. Then, so then, bad. how?
10: So then, how is Lamar Jackson a loser?
3: Because he lost <laughs> and he stunk. Okay, so then but that's my every point. Is I assume I assume with well, I don't want your mouth
2: either, but I think you're saying because the coach put too much on
3: Jackson and that was the wrong move. That he's not. Yeah, pre- yeah, pretty much. Like I, I feel like, and this is an assumption, but I feel like if they stuck to what they did and ran the ball and not just handed off six times to the running back, then you say, all right, maybe they're able to cut into that 27th-ranked run defense that the Kansas City Chiefs have, and maybe they're able to score more than 10 points. But the reality is, you know, I don't have a crystal ball or a time machine, and Lamar Jackson put up another stinker.
10: I'm I'm just trying to decipher because you were pretty strong on your... I still am. ...anti-Lamar Jackson position, but then... you come out here and say, well, if Greg Roman was there, it'd be different.
3: Well, because I believe that. I, I believe both to be true, but that doesn't take away yeah, from it, my opinion his, on Lamar Jackson. But I think his point is
2: Greg Roman was smart enough to understand that you can't rely on Jackson. So if you have a different attack, you're not putting the game in Lamar's hands as much. as
3: yeah. And, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. That's think, how I'm reading it. I think I was... Being, I know I was being dramatic for the sake of it. For you know, they they win that game because I'm defending Greg Roman. But at the end of the day, Lamar still stunk with Roman in the playoffs. So I, you know, maybe I'm a little bit out of pocket. Yeah, but for that might have been that. the
2: kind of game yesterday that they may have been able to pull out.
3: I agree because they well, they should have line.
10: pulled it out.
2: They didn't need a lot. Yeah.
10: And you, you, right, held point
2: the, is, Ryan's point is they didn't point it out because they put the game in Lamar Jackson's hands. hands and that he's not good enough to put the game in his hands. That's what you're saying. Absolutely. And, your, even if and they, then your other point is, and Roman understood that I can't rely on Jackson to win me the game, so we're going to have to run this style, and that hasn't worked either. So that we exactly. come back to maybe the whole thing is there. Maybe the, the team just like, at the end of know. the
8: day,
3: Josh is trying to say, you know, trying to call me out on that, which I, I respect, and it's all well and, you know, fun, all well and good. But even if they win that game yesterday, Josh, my opinion of Lamar Jackson doesn't change, right? Like, let's see what he would have done in the Super Bowl. You know what I mean?
10: Yeah, but see, now you're now you're splitting hairs because it's like... No, I think we, you're
3: splitting hairs.
10: Because you are <laughs> saying that if Lamar Jackson wins the game yesterday, you still don't give him credit.
3: Listen, man, I, I don't know. I, I would have to see what that looks like but for Mm. me lamar jackson has to win a super bowl maybe if he wins that game and he looks damn good doing it maybe yeah Uh, it
2: depends on on, he needs to win the super bowl to be what an all-time great
3: i just want to see the dude have success in in a postseason game we haven't seen that whenever he's called upon to step up and be the guy that we think he is he shows us the opposite i think
2: we all have like different like I don't know. I think Lamar, like you're the MVP of the league. I can't sit here and say you suck. I mean, I'm sorry. I can't can't do it. Now, you might not be good enough to win the Super Bowl, so you're not an all-time great, but you could still be an an elite player.
3: Of course. He doesn't suck, right? Like, no, you can't say that. But at the end of the day, you want winners, and it's fair to say what I've said a few times. I don't believe he's a winner at this point. So then my follow-up
10: would be, how much of this, though, is the fact that Patrick Mahomes to this generation is what Tom Brady was to the last generation of quarterbacks?
3: Yeah, well, for sure. But we've seen guys have success. We've seen Joe Burrow beat him. Like we we've seen other teams in in the Super Bowl. Not a whole lot. Well, right? Tom Brady. Tom Brady beat him in the Super Bowl.
2: Lamar Jackson is 27 years old, by the way. I, I, still got I don't time. think it's time to say he can't. I hate sports where it's well, if you haven't, then you can't. At some point, like Michael Jordan, like where we supposed to say, "Well, you haven't, so you can't." No, he didn't for eight years, and then all he did was Lamar. I mean, uh, LeBron couldn't and then he did and then he did it again right but for eight years we said not nah, you're not good enough you're the guy who passes the shot off and then he won a championship then he won another one and then he won a
3: third one well your opinion and assessment evolves and it changes Sure, i'll, I'll, I'll gladly change it if he does otherwise but we've seen a big enough sample size right i think it's fair to call well we've now. seen
10: a sample size but we could oh, have said-
2: i definitely think and and it's very fair to have a stance to say it's your opinion that he is not good enough to win the Super Bowl. I don't have a problem with you saying that. I don't think you're way off base. Everything that he has done up to his age 27 NFL season suggests that. My opinion would be, I don't think the Ravens can't win the Super Bowl because he's the quarterback. I certainly think they could have won that game yesterday. Now... He might have needed some help to win that game. Of maybe course. he's not the reason why the team wins the Super Bowl, but he's a huge reason at why they're the number one seed and why they get home games and why the rest of the team can help them get to the Super Bowl. Right. And maybe he's not Patrick Mahomes, where he with where they win it because of Mahomes. Maybe he has to be Somebody else. Now you might say, well then he didn't deserve the money that he got or well, yeah. all that kind of stuff. That's a whole nother conversation.
3: That is a whole nother conversation. I think one of the one of the better ways to put it, at least how I assess it right now with Lamar, I'm not confident in him moving forward to win a big playoff game. I, I'm not confident. I don't trust him. Doesn't mean he physically can't do it down the road, but up to this point he's shown me that much.
10: Well the reason I brought up Patrick Mahomes today also was because this morning on Sportsman, like Evan Cohen had this take right here on 97.3 ESPN. I think he's already had
8: a better
2: career than Peyton Manning. I think when you look at what he's done, he has individual success that is not as great as necessarily Peyton Manning. But his team success is so much. He has the same amount of playoff wins as Peyton Manning has. If he wins the Super Bowl and he walks away, his career, he's not going to do that, is better than those that we have considered in that GOAT conversation at different times. Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, etc.
3: He's better. No issue with that. I I don't either. Listen, you can say Mahomes is the greatest of all time right now. I'm not going to debate it with you.
2: I mean, (laughs) it's one of those things where to hear somebody say someone's better than Peyton Manning, especially someone who grew up in the Manning era, like on the surface, you're like, ah, come on, dude. But realistically, I mean, Peyton Manning won two Super Bowls. Um, he's he's a he's a and legend. he didn't
10: really win those Super Bowls. Not nah, as Ryan you put it, you know, the without Lamar, he didn't. You know, he was kind of carried at times. Yeah, second the, one.
2: But the two Super Bowls, you can make a strong argument that he won the MVP in the one. But come on, that was like that was an ugly game. It was kind of a. It was weird. a horrible game. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a weird. Like he didn't have a he didn't have a legend. Neither one of his Super Bowls were le- uh re- memorable.
3: All right, that's fair, but. You can say he's the reason why Denver changed their culture and won the Super Bowl because of him and the defense was sure. able to rally. Right, like and he had a legendary individual career. He but did. the difference no.
10: is is Mahomes is going into the Super Bowls and most of the time he is the star of the
3: stars. Let me ask you guys this. One guy to win one game, who are you taking in the history of the NFL, I'll start. I'm taking Mahomes right now. If I have to win one game, I'm taking that dude over anyone.
2: I mean, it's him or Brady, really. I mean, now Brady sure. beat Mahomes, and advanced age Brady beat Mahomes in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, what, three years ago? Yeah. In Tampa, so, yeah. Yeah, so you could say they would be the two guys. I guess you could throw Montana in there, who was yeah. perfect. Yeah. Um, I don't think Montana... From the three of them, I don't know that he had, you know, if you want to talk about who's the most talented, who has the most arm strength and all that I, I like arm talent. I, I mean, I think Mahomes is probably the most talented of all of the guys we're talking 100%. about Yeah, here. Yeah, I would So you agree. throw that coupled with that he's a winner and his already success, I think you got to throw Mahomes certainly ahead of Peyton Manning, and then you could start saying the next guy, is just catching the accolades, uh, the, the the Super Bowls, and all that stuff of Brady. Well, Brady
4: yeah. beat Mahomes in the Super Bowl, but he also beat him in the AFC Championship game in 2019. Uh-huh. So he's got those two games on him. But, like, you know, you guys are making some valid points. Mahomes is a freak of nature. I think if you're talking game on the line, you've got one minute left on the clock for the Super Bowl. It's Mahomes. really close. Like, Brady's 1B for me, but it's Mahomes at 1A because what he can do to extend the play in the pocket and bounce around for about 15 seconds if he needed to, it's unbelievable. It is, but I would
2: say this. Like, I feel like Brady, now Mahomes is doing it now. Brady did a lot of his damage with less than what Mahomes has had. That's true. This year, he is showing that he can do it without the elite receiver. He's got nobody. I know he's got No, Travis. like right now, this is Brady. Travis, with,
10: Kelsey, Isaiah, Pacheco. That's, that's not nobody.
2: Rashie mean, Rice. Dude, come no, on. No, but this is like Brady when when Gronk was like the one guy he had, when he didn't have like yeah. those elite yeah, outside Gronk, playmakers. Edelman. Yeah,
4: like Rashie Rice is Mahomes Edelman right now, where if you throw it to him, he's probably going to come down with it no, on all the other don't receivers. Don't even
3: disrespect Edelman like that. Well, Rashie Rice has, has plenty of
2: time to go until we see what
3: his right. career looks like. No, right. but,
2: oh, like, but you're seeing Mahomes, like you could make a – you could make the argument early in his career. Well, he had Tyree Kill, and he had Travis Kelsey in his like, right Now he's losing those guys, and he's still winning to the point where you know they had to go on the road this year because they weren't good enough in the regular season week to week with some of the lack of weapons that they had. And then he has elevated them and, to the next level. And by the way, to
10: be completely fair, we should remind folks that Joe Montana won a championship before Jerry Rice ever got to San Francisco, too.
2: Yeah, apparently against Barry Sanders. Uh, and the Lions in 1983. Did anybody see that <laughs> gaff yesterday? No. By the Fox crew. They it was put the so you note know, that the Lions had played the 49ers one other time in the divisional round, right. and it was 1983, and they're showing the highlights, and uh, Burkhart, who, you know, they do a good job, Burkhart and Olsen, mm. um, says, you know, oh, yeah, that was a great game, 1983. There's Barry Sanders, and it's like Billy Sims. Billy
1: Sims. Sims. But, <laughs> <laughs> but
8: then he followed Different it up people. by.
2: Then he followed it up by saying that Sanders is in the building today and it's like I said to myself wait a second Barry Sanders was not playing in the league in 1983. <laughs> no, like, well he was not. <laughs> I was like did he mean like the 93 cuz I know the Lions in 93 made it to the I think they made it to the NFC but they played Washington in the in the 93 NFC championship game Barry Sanders Lions I'm pretty sure Dallas played,
3: played made, made the Super Bowl in 93. It was,
2: it was 91 maybe uh. that Barry Sanders went to an NFC championship game, but they got beat by Washington. Gotcha. So yeah. But this was a divisional round game.
10: Yeah, it was a ninety-one conference finals. They lost to Washington 41-10. There you go.
2: Yeah. Oof, Rough. So, that's not great. All right. What else you got?
10: <laughs> well, we got we gotta get the break real quick, but we'll get some more of this audio coming up the other side because I, I do want to get your guys' opinion on the other side of what Rex Ryan had to say this morning on get Up.
2: All right, TechSport is lighting up too, by the way. 609 4030973. 609 4030973. Quick thought for you guys. You mentioned Burkhardt and Olsen. That might have been Olsen's last game in the booth. Likely is. Tom Brady? Well, likely last game in the booth with Burkhardt. Yes. Yeah. On Fox. Well, well maybe like, not on Fox, yeah. Yeah, what do they use him for? Pre game and post game? No, now? he might be. He might drop down to the number two team. The B team. Whoever else. Uh, who's their number two it's guy? A shame, because right I like Olsen. It's I think he's good. excellent. The number two probably does it with Joe Davis, right? Yeah, I think Joe Davis is the number two guy. I think Olsen right now is probably the best of all of them.
3: Yeah, he's won me over a little bit. I, I, I like Olsen. All
2: right, more Sports Bash live from the gallery bar, book, and games at Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City. It's this.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mike Gill. Do I
3: have everybody's attention now?
1: On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.
2: Sports Pass Live 97.3 ESPN. We're live at the Gallery Bar Booking Games at Ocean Casino Resort. I want to tell you about my friends at Progressive Fence and Railing, your secret weapon for adorable fence, a railing, a stylish deck, a new awning. They've got the magic touch, experience top notch quality, impeccable craftsmanship, finance options that fit your budget. Grab your free estimate today. Visit Progressive Fence and Rail. You know, I was up at the Poconos this weekend. Yeah, how was it? No snow. (laughs) Yeah, what what was it? I'm I'm not a skier, so I I didn't go for the skiing. You didn't shred? Nope. All right. But uh, no snow up there. I mean, it was uh, raining. It was a little... uh, Was it a good time? I had a blast. I mean, I could have a good time anywhere. Sure. Was it foggy up there, too, like it was Very foggy. All weekend, I was driving through thick fog. To drive up there thursday night was brutal yeah couldn't see at all it's not a good drive on any day especially a foggy one good so. time though nice. uh never been i was up there for my buddy's bachelor party probably 20 years ago <laughs> so I'm, t- I'm 47 yeah he was probably longer than that because he probably got married like 22 23 years old probably like nice. 25 years ago that the last time i was up there and um yeah had a good time you know a couple buddies met up and um Hit the town.
4: Thursday, to it.
2: I said, one thing I did learn is I can't go Thursday, Friday, Saturday
3: at that high of a level. Now, how was your performance by, like, the final day? Were you struggling? Were you like Lamar? I think I was the MVP of the group. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you were like three to one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> really cool place. Um, this place was a little speakeasy underground. Love a good speakeasy. I love those, like, you know, like West Virginia, we had a lot of speakeasies. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. like, out there you're kind of used to them but like you know we found this little speakeasy underground that was they had bookshelves danny you would uh, you probably have no idea what i'm talking about here they had bookshelves on the wall with actual <laughs> encyclopedias in the bookshelves what's a book what's an encyclopedia well, he said that yeah. and he's like you probably don't know what i'm talking about i was like i don't know what a bookshelf is what are you talking kids about Encyclopedia? No, i know yeah this
1: kid's
4: never I, read I a book do they still
2: right? produce encycl it was encyclopedia britannicus Wow. Remember the commercials for those they used to have Get your New dude. Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> On sale now. Yeah, it was I was like, we're sitting there, we're watching the Sixers game, and I'm looking like at the wall, and I said, Is that an Encyclopedia Britannica? There was like a whole collection of them. I'm <laughs> like, man. That's where they went. Well now you know where, where to go if you need one. All, all right, five right. o'clock uh, hour. You text, we'll react next, six oh 0973, Dan Campbell, Lamar Jackson, Joel Embiid not playing, the coordinators for the Eagles, anything on your mind, hit us up. We'll react to it coming up next. This is the Sports Bash
1: with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios,
2: here's Mike Gill. All right, 5 o'clock hour, everybody. Some news with the Eagles real quick. Uh, according to multiple reports, the Eagles are going to hire Seattle defensive coordinator, or now former Seattle defensive coordinator, Clint Hurt. He is headed to Philly. He will be the new defensive line coach. He had a, several options, and he decided to pick the Eagles. So here's a guy with coordinator experience. You see the... Steve here the Eagles are really getting some veteran guys there was some reports that they interviewed Joe Barry over the weekend for the linebacking coach Joe Barry was the defensive coordinator in Green Bay the last two seasons Clint Hurt has been the defensive coordinator in Seattle the last two seasons but this is where you get the veteran coach and he has a Rolodex right and he could go get better go get coaches yeah he looks the part i tell you that much He looks like a (laughs) massive, massive human being. Oh my goodness. He looks like he could hurt you. Yes. 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 Clint Hurt, former Seattle
4: defensive coordinator, and did they hire somebody else? Yes, Carl Scott, former, the, uh, former secondary coach and passing game coordinator for the Seahawks, is now coming to the Eagles in a senior defensive role, Carl Scott. Okay. Not Um, as good of a name,
3: but that doesn't
4: Carl matter. with a K, though. Does that change things? Ooh, yeah, it does add oh. some flair, yeah. And then you get Herb with two Ts. Oh, Hey, Carl, hey so, so nice to see, to
2: see you. you. Uh, we've been getting a lot of text messages throughout the show, and uh, we're going to read and react to those coming up now, 609. 609- four oh three oh nine seven three obviously some of the big stories uh that we've hit on uh, dan campbell's and his decisions have really been one of the top things throughout the course of the day uh we've kind of been split on it you feel kind of one way i kind of feel the other way i don't i I don't want to say like my buddy's texting me up a storm last night i mean some of the stuff that he's been throwing my way i'm just like i mean he thinks it is
3: completely egregious i just i think it's lazy and that's why I'm surprised you're on that side. I just think it's lazy, man, to say. Because that's, that's the easy way. On the surface, it looks like, Campbell, idiot, should have kicked it. It's like, yeah, bro. He said it was literally a pee wee coach's decision. Come on. Come on. That's, that's here's what
2: Here's a funny way. He said nobody has talked about the spread cover at the end when mm-hmm. he went for it on fourth instead of the field goal. He even ran it on third and then took the timeout to basically end the team's chances could have kicked a 40-yard field goal with a minute 42 left and three timeouts instead he goes down scores a touchdown with under a minute and then uses a timeout yeah the way they they hit i always wonder okay you're down two scores as soon as you get into field goal makeable field goal range don't run another play. Kick dude. the field goal and use it. Keep as much time. I don't understand it. Whether you I'm get the you. touchdown with a minute left or kick a field goal with one forty two left, kick the freaking field goal arguing. on first down. Yes,
3: bro. I was arguing with my buddy about it. Baltimore, Kansas City. It was seventeen seven. Right, Baltimore gets into field goal range. I'm like, dude, kick it right now. You have Tucker. Kick it right now. So you have all three timeouts and you can get the stop. But yeah.
2: You need to preserve every second on that clock right. and not use timeouts. Instead you of the kicking field the field goal, he goes down, runs the ball, gets stopped, time. and then he calls
3: timeout. Yeah, I mean, are stupid. you kidding me? I
2: don't get Complete it. mismanagement of the clock by Campbell there. But we were talking more about his decisions to go for it yeah. as opposed to kicking the, kickin the field goals at different moments of the game. When,
4: so, like, go ahead. When he didn't go it for that second time in the fourth quarter with like just over six and a half minutes left. I thought right there, you tie the game up, put it in the Chiefs' hands, see what they can do. If they score, you go down and tie it with seven of your own. Instead, or what am I saying? The Chiefs, the 49ers. Instead, the Niners go down, score a touchdown, make it a 10-point lead, and you still don't kick the field goal like you said with a little over a minute left on the first down. It just... You're right. Complete mismanagement of the yeah. clock.
3: See, I hear you there, Danny, but I-, I also look at it as, at that point, you know the Niners are in a rhythm. Like, they're scoring, they're scoring in bunches. So, like, go for it. You're down there. Go get the first down on four.
4: You know what I mean? Like, but you- at the same time, too, to that point, they're in a rhythm. They're scoring in bunches. You go for it. You don't get it. They're going to march down the field, get a touchdown, and make it a 10-point lead like they did.
7: You Maybe. look at it from
4: that point of sure. view as well. Yeah, it's it's a tough decision because, like you guys said, it's what got him there. Why would you go away from you know what made you successful all season long? Especially if you're in your own
2: territory. And but it's been the playoffs successful. on the road. See, I I mean, I, okay, I mean, I I hear that all the time. It's what got you here. It's what got you here. It's what got you here. So you got to keep doing it. But again, we're sa- this is the hypocrisy of that comment. It's like the M B thing. It well, like the whole article. It's what got you there, but the regular season is different. Mm-hmm. We always say, oh, it's a regular season. Who cares? You, you have to prove to me in the playoffs. If you are being the same team you were in the regular season, that might right. not be but good But that's enough. not
3: apples to apples, MG. It's what, what you're saying isn't apples to apples. We're talking about a particular situation where you've had consistency and you've built an identity with. It's not the same thing as, like, Embiid sitting out, because regular season games don't matter. Or it's not who you are as an offense. Well, it's like when Embiid, those are different. It's
2: when Embiid does well in the regular season, we almost discount it. We say, I don't care. I want to see you do it in the playoffs. Well, that's fair. Okay. So Detroit, okay. it's And by the way, almost universally, nobody believed in Detroit all year. No. Because I want to see you do it in the playoffs. Well, guess what? What failed them in the playoffs is because they reverted back to what they were in the regular season. What and failed that's them? why they lost.
7: What failed
3: them?
2: Because they got overly – well, I don't – But That's, that's not they, fair. That's I not true, I agree, though. though, that that's not – I'm not saying that's why they lost. But if you but ask you... me would I have kicked the field goals, it's not – I wouldn't have kicked it because of analytics or this or that. It's because th- the math was running out for the Niners. The Niners could not stop you. You kept trading possessions. If I just kept putting 3-3, three, three, that eventually San Francisco was going to run out of time.
3: I guess, but the first one, the first one you say, even if we don't get it here, which it was a drop, execution was great besides the wide receiver Reynolds. That's why I'm You say has to go 70 yards, and they haven't really done it all game.
2: That's why I'm not 100% looking at Campbell as why they lost, is because there you go. I don't like his decisions, but I don't think it was the sole reason they lost, because his team had chances to make plays that they didn't make. Exactly. If they
3: would have... So it's, what are we talking if about, we you know?
2: Well, I mean, I think it's not on me the and you, surface, right. it's this guy cost him because he could have made decisions that in spite of the fact that they didn't make these plays, they still could have won that game. Had You know, it's like back to the before, like the, the corner man doesn't want to throw the towel because you got to let your players fight. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes the coach has to be the coach and say, guys, you we're not getting it done right back. now, and we're going to have to just take the points. I know all season long, and I think the players backed him on the decision. They too. all did. I, I, yeah. I don't think they're looking at him like, you failed us. No. But I think there's a point, though, where the where the corner man says, you might not think I failed you, but I did. I know you right. support me in my decision, but I could have been there for you. And we should be in the Super Bowl right now because you guys didn't perform,
3: but I could have taken over and done more. Do you think it's more about the Lions blowing it, or is it more about San Francisco?
2: Um, That's a good question.
3: You could make the arguments more San Francisco because the
4: Lions went for it on fourth down. What was it, fourth and goal at, like, the two? Fourth and they, two. they scored the garbage-time touchdown there. So uh, you could argue that San Fran defense definitely stepped up. Plenty of guys, you know, especially their linebacker play is just purely a, elite. So like you it, could ar- it, definitely it, argue that.
3: Right. You could argue both sides. That's why I think it's interesting. I mean, was it that special what Purdy did, or is it more about the collapse on Detroit's side? Yeah, on their
2: defense as well. Right, I, I don't mean, know. Offense wasn't helping them. It was a lot of three and outs, but yeah. still. Yeah. Well, like the first half, I got to go back and look at the. Um, I don't think the Niners. I don't think they had a stop the entire first half.
3: Uh, no, probably not. I,
2: I don't. They think gave up twenty four points. The only. Um, the only stops that San Francisco got was that Detroit turned it over on downs. Yeah, and that was in the second half. So, again, my point, exactly. So if you just kick the field goal in those moments, they don't get any stops at all. So at some point, they need to stop to catch you. And if, if you gave them two stops by getting it, you couldn't get out of your own way because you made those decisions. If you simply just kept scoring every time you got the ball, eventually, San Francisco, they weren't going to be able to catch you.
10: Guys, here here's the rundown of Detroit in the game. Every offensive possession, you're ready from start to finish. Touchdown! Touchdown! Punt! Touchdown! Field goal. Halftime. Turnover on downs. Fumble. Punt. Turnover on downs. Touchdown. So they only only punted twice the entire game.
2: Right, and one that was in the one was in the first half; the other one's in the second half. Right, and so you know, like the two times they turned the ball over on downs are both in the second half of the game. One of them, they're
3: up seventeen points.
0: Right,
2: so that, now you're up twenty.
3: Yeah, it was a huge swing. But, you know, you say, if you want to talk about Dan Campbell, not that we are, as far as blame, I say, well, look at Reynolds. Jason and Kate May said, and
2: this was from our conversation with Mosher earlier. said you can't compare Eagles Philly special to what happened to Detroit, which I agree with when Mosher was saying it in that moment. We didn't have a good chance for a lot of back and forth on it, but he said Detroit was up by 14 at the time. They didn't need to try to get a touchdown in that situation. The Eagles were going against Tom Brady in a tight game no matter what the analytics say. When you're up 14 in the third quarter, you could stretch it to three score lead with the field goal. You take the field goal. I had no intention of texting in, but just bothered me. Thanks. (laughs) Jason and Kate May. Right. Like the Eagles thing happened in the first half of the game. It's like this, you're up now 17. You have the chance to, like by doing that, it felt like you were panicking a little bit to say, we feel them coming. Like he even kind of said, like, ah, we needed to try to slow them down. They were bleeding the clock. I don't know if they were bleeding the clock. You had the chance to score points and make the clock be their enemy.
3: I think one factor that we only touched on real quick earlier is the Lions kicker stinks. It's, so they they don't trust him besides their identity to be aggressive. I mean they're at the thirty
2: yard line. Sure, even it's if a he makes, maybe yard. if he makes one of two of them,
3: yeah. It's it's valid. That's all.
2: Uh, Jeff and EHC guys. Dan Campbell didn't have a good game last night. I thought he should have tried to bury the Niners before the half with a touchdown instead of a field goal. Then the Niners kick a field goal to make it twenty four ten. Detroit drives down instead of making the lead seventeen <laughs> again. It takes some win out of the Niners' sails. He goes for it, and the Reynolds drop swung the whole game.
3: It's a lot. That's a lot of assumptions there. Well, this would have happened. Then that. Then that. Then that. I mean, I hear him, but it's not on. It's not on. Cam. Well,
2: I think he's what his. What he's saying there was he wasn't the aggressive guy in the first half of the game. He went for the field goal, and then all of a sudden in the second half when he had a chance to kind of say, hey, we have the lead, let's just get some points, then he reverted back to being the aggressive guy. I definitely understood the
4: first chance to go for it in the second half more than I did the second. Like I said before, you had a chance to tie it up and kind of put the ball in the 49ers' hands. The first one, it's like, all right, we're really hitting on offense right now. Let's go for it, convert it. If we don't, we're still up a considerable amount. The second one, it was like, all right, if we don't get it here, we're giving it back to the Niners in rhythm, and they did what they were going to do, and they went up 10.
3: You also say it that with the second one, though, just real quick, we're on the road.
4: Let's try and we're, go ahead. Yeah, you know?
3: like we're, we're this thing's slipping away from us. Let's go get this one. Well, to the Michael Badgley point as
4: well, I'm just going through his stats here. Can you guys try and guess how many field goals he's made this season
3: over 40 or more yards? I think, I think one.
4: Yes. You want yeah. to know how many over 50
3: or more? This year or career? This year. Since December zero.
4: 16th when he joined the Lions.
3: I'm going to guess zero. One okay, in the
4: wild card game against the Rams. There you go. Both in which he was one for one. But the key thing that I take away there, they don't have him try those field goals
2: very often because they know it's about a 50-50 shot it goes in. Yeah. Uh, so they went on fourth and goal at the three. They kicked the field goal. That was fourth and goal at the three with seven seconds left in the half.
3: That's why.
2: Wow, it's fourth
3: down. Yeah, but there's seven, there's seven seconds left in the half. You're not, you're not giving the ball back to San Fran. You're saying, let's just tack on three. The half's over. I think that's a big difference. But
2: that's the spot where I feel like you could be a great, we're up 24 to seven. If we score here, we're going to go into the locker room up 31 seven.
3: Yeah, I hear you. Well, no,
2: sorry. They scored a three, so it would have been been 28-7. But we're going to go in the locker room. 20, like that's where, to me, that's like the Philly special thing is we're in the first half. We have a chance right now to change it. Like they didn't take the chance to take the game then. They waited until they had the 17
3: point lead later. And I, the game's different though. I hear you, but it's just the, the half's over. Right, it's a new game in the in the second half, so it's like let's just tack on the three. We're running into the locker room.
4: We could talk about all this till we're blue in the face. You know, one thing, one really cool thing that I took away from yesterday's Lions Niners game: CJ Gardner Johnson waving goodbye to the Niners fans. Up two touchdowns, not up three, not up four touchdowns. Up twenty-one to seven, seven. and he's waving goodbye before halftime's even hit. That and then they lose. And you know, I was rooting for the Lions because I hate the Niners. But to see CJ Gardner Johnson get the the you know, the people attacking him today like they crushed. are, it's yeah. perfect.
2: It's perfect. <laughs> Here's the thing too. I don't think Campbell didn't do what he did because of analytics. Like a lot of people are saying all oh, the analytics say that you should have gone for it in those spots. okay what do you think then well and and somebody had said before like he was on the staff with sean payton when they won the super bowl in whenever what was it year was that like oh seven eight nine somewhere around there with breeze and he's like you know that he got that aggressiveness from being on sean payton's staff you know it wasn't like an analytical decision saying that hey the analytics say we got to go for it he just like that's just who he wants to be and look In the end, we'll see. Do the Lions ever get back here? Does this moment ever come up? Does he do the same thing again? He says, I don't regret what I did. And maybe that will be something they build off of and win a Super Bowl because of. But I'm very interested to see if those – now, you can't recreate
3: those moments. No, you can't. But it is likely that situation in a big game is going to come up. Saints won it in the 2009 season, by the way. Shout-out to Josh Hennig. Uh,
2: 2009. So, yeah, you're going back a ways that he yeah. kind of, like, that's kind of the foundation of, like, why he did kind of what he did there. But, sure. listen, you know, like, if he kicks the first field goal and then misses, then that might say, okay, I, I went for the field goal last time. I'm not doing I'm not that doing again. again.
3: Yeah. Right?
2: So, at least the first time he could have at least... Had some reason to say, we tried the first one, the guy missed it the second time. I'm not doing that again. I'm not putting the game in the kicker the second time. I think he would have been getting less today.
3: Oh, yeah, because that's just a justification. But you're right. If that went down that way. That's just justifying going for it. You know, that's just... I respect it more that he went for it both times. That's what I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah, I, I like... And again, like, I hate to say that he cost them because I think the players dropped passes, fumbled yeah. the ball. Like, there were things that happened in that game that I think were just as big of the reason why they lost. But because those decisions, and this goes back to, like, we always blame the coach or look at the coach because as fans – that is a role that we feel that we are more qualified to be. We are way more, in our minds, qualified to be the GM or the coach than we are the player. And therefore, we always revert to blaming the coach that he cost him the game with that decision. Well, think, think about this, too. Dan Campbell
4: has the final say. He's the final line of defense before that play goes out or that decision goes out. Who knows? Or yeah, I mean, who doesn't know that Ben Johnson was over there saying, I like our chances here if we go for it. This is the play I prepared for this situation. Let's do it. Dan Campbell goes, you know what? Screw it. You're right. Let's do it. You know, he's the final stuff. line of defense, but it could have been Ben Johnson's idea. We don't know
2: this stuff. Yeah, we don't know like how like Ben Johnson does call those plays, mm-hmm. and him running the ball late in that game exactly. with, no, with the timeout situation and then having to call the timeout because they ran the ball. That was pretty bad.
3: I think that's a, that's a really good point, though, because, like, Shane Steichen, we all knew what his game plan was every game. The Lions had the same same type of game plan, too. Like, they knew they had plays for fourth and two, for fourth and three. Right. It's a big reason why they went for it as much as they did all year. So, that was who they are.
2: Mike and Marmora says, guys, you don't ruin your momentum by going for it before the half. Take the three points because San Francisco is getting the ball after half. Go in on a high and regroup. But that kind of is like against what the whole point is, is oh, this is what we've been all season.
3: Right. And it's like the momentum thing is also such a Monday morning quarterback. You don't know what's going to happen and how it's going to impact the momentum. Right. Like, yeah, the momentum changed because we saw it change. Right. Like at that moment
2: <laughs> when it was fourth and three, I thought they were going for it. Okay. Did you? Are you talking about when they kicked the at halftime? Right before half, fourth and down and goal at the three with seven seconds left. I thought they were going for it.
3: I wasn't sure. I probably would have guessed they were, but I also because there was no time on the clock and halftime was approaching, I didn't really think. And about
2: it. I think the offense thought they were going for it too. Like they were on the field, and then he yeah. kind of was like, "Field goal, field goal," and it was like a weird like. I was surprised. Maybe nice that played into goal. it.
3: Maybe that played into the next two decisions because the players are like, "We typically go for this, coach." Right. So next time around, he's like, "All right, let's go." Half time, they're going. We were three yards away from scoring. Yeah, why did even punch more?
4: Them.
2: Let's do that going forward mm-hmm. if
4: we're that close. Yeah,
2: I, yeah. Like, I don't know. I hope, and we'll we'll see. Like as this the years go on here, that the Lions don't look back at this and say what could have
3: been. And you know, something so unfair. I'm about to say is, do you believe in Jared Goff to be that this guy? Like, is is this Jared Goff? Or is he just had a couple of really lucky years? Uh, it's I don't unfair. think you can say it's lucky years. Not yeah, lucky, I mean, but you know what I mean. Is he is he the guy that can get you back there? I I, I don't think know. so. I All mean, right. he
4: made it with a great offensive mind in Sean McVay. So you know, I'm going to give McVay a lot of credit. But somebody has to steer the ship. They and that a was a young quarterback at the time too, in Jared. Yeah, they, and they have a ton of
2: weapons out there. And one of the
7: underrated Detroit, things right? about them
2: is even like last year and the year before that when they were kind of like coming around. They've always had like their offensive line has been a solid offensive line, and now they have a good offensive line, a ton of weapons, and you can make the argument that is Goff the right guy? Is he going to be the Garoppolo? Where at some point they have to make the decision: do they want to mm-hmm. keep Goff? Is he the guy? Or are they going to have to improve on him because they have Williams and Amon Ross Saint Brown and yeah. Gibbs? I mean Reynolds. I mean they just, and Laporta. I mean they have a ton of weapons, and they're all young guys, very young. Question for you deal. guys. How would
4: you feel about Dan Campbell telling his team, hey, guys, this might have been our only shot? I was kind of torn on that.
2: I love it. <laughs> I love it because, if anything, it's motivation. Yeah, I, I like it, too, because I think it's him telling him, don't think just because we got here this year that it's a right, right. of passage that we're coming back. Mm-hmm. Take this loss and refocus that you want to not only get back here, but get past it. Yeah. All right, when we come back, Now, what do you guys think Casey Joyner will think
3: about Campbell's decision? I think he's going to agree with it because he's an analytics guy, and the analytics said go for it. Okay,
2: we'll find out. One thought every game. Plus, we'll get Casey's thoughts on Kellen Moore's offense with the Eagles' talent. Which player on the Eagles does he think will excel Because Kellen Moore is now here. That's next. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. We have the perfect...
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call click or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done we're
1: sitting in traffic you come with me this sports bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app at
2: right, 5 30 on your Monday Casey Joyner one thought every game Brought to you by Frank Vincent Windows Roofing Siding Doors. Make your home look new again. Mike and Ryan, we're live at the Gallery Bar Booking Games at Ocean Casino Resort. Great conversation throughout the day. Good stuff from you guys on the text board. 609-403-0973. Casey Joyner from The Athletic is here. The Super Bowl is set, and you can hear the game right here on 97.3 ESPN. One thought every game, as Casey, uh, a couple thoughts on all these games, as we saw yesterday, really that NFC Championship game, a great game, 17 points, back and forth they go, but it seems, Casey Joyner, the Dan Campbell decisions are the ones that are being talked about a bunch today. What would you have done? Are you criticizing Campbell, or do you understand that's what they've done the analytics say, go, don't have a problem with it.
9: Where do you stand? Bill James used to say that when he came to decision-making that when you're flying a plane, he used the analogy, when you're flying a plane and the weather's good, you fly it one way. When the weather's bad, you fly it another. You don't apply the same tactics each time. Dan Campbell, when you're up, if you kick the field goal, he kicks the field goal in the middle of the third quarter, go up 17. <clears throat> so now they're up, you know, back up 17. Think about it. Here, Campbell and you say, if we score 10 more points, the rest of the game, we got about five or six drives left. They need four touchdowns to beat us. Your team can stay relaxed. They can stay confident. You can keep on the running game. You can grind the clock. If Purdy makes a mistake, and he made some, you probably win the game. But instead, he gets and goes to be aggressive. He playing his plane the same way. When it was, you know, he could have been up seventeen as he did beforehand. And Badger is a solid kicker. It's not like he's a bad kicker. Be a bad kicker, different story. So I think he decided, I'm going to stay too aggressive, and I'm going to use the same tactics I did when the weather was bad as when the weather's good. And he paid the price.
2: So it wow. sounds like you would have kicked the field goals.
9: Huh. I would have kicked. I would have kicked the field goals and think about it. Even if I mean, just, just take it this way. If on the next three drives, let's say the next drive, okay, Ayuk makes the same play, and then you know there's still the fumble. But if you're Detroit, if they if they score touchdowns and you score field goals, if you trade three touchdowns for three field goals, you're still winning at that point. If, if, if and, and the rest of the game, they did score another touchdown. They could have kicked another field goal, but if you even just kick field goals, three field goals, and they score three touchdowns, you're still ahead if you're up 17 when you do that. And it's just like, you know, you had he had a situation where you need to adapt and adjust to the analytics will tell you adjust and say, Hey, the, the thing is, when you get into shootout games, you're doing it. If your team and you don't have as much time as the other team you turn it into a shootout game, you're doing it because you want the game to be volatile. Because it's volatile, it can go in your direction. They turned the game volatile. It got into their favor. Once you get it in their favor, you want that volatility level to Decrease a lot. You want to start playing clock ball and Decrease that volatility level. When you play the volatility level up, once you're ahead by that much, you're playing right into their hands. And San Francisco should thank Dan Campbell for doing that.
3: Wow. So I think you may have already answered this, but do you blame Dan Campbell? Or like you could you could think everything that you just outlined for us. But are you putting that on him, right? Or do you say, all right, the execution and everything that transpired, right? Like. Who gets the blame? who gets the credit in your eyes Casey? I think it is it is a Campbell okay. situation where he
9: needs to wow. he needs to adjust and say, hey I, I, he can trust his players, but his players are like you're the one guiding us here. you're the one to put us in this situation. So yeah, go ahead uh, you, know, uh, you know you know you get players dropping passes. okay I mean I still don't agree with even once you get into that situation, yeah, you've got Wilder going for the the interception and he, and he trying to and he goes off his face mask just knock the ball down. You're up 17 if you kick the field, but just, you know, if they didn't, if you, even up 14 when they don't, just knock the ball down. You're playing at that point. You're playing a different percentage game to win. I've got a book over here, one of these, one of the thousands of books I have back here. It's a guy who pioneered clockball back in the '90s, and, it's, and, and he tells you that if you're going to play clockball, which is what they should have done, you play clockball. I mean, the minute the game starts, but at least the minute you get the lead, you start playing clockball. The Lions were the least talented, lesser talented team, and they were on the road. When you get the lead, and you've got a running game like they do, start playing clockball right then. And Campbell didn't. He decided to still be aggressive.
3: So, do you look at? Because the analytics, whether you believe in these particular <laughs> analytics, spare with me. You know, you're making your sure, points. Sure. Analytics say, go for it. Analytics say you have a better chance to win. Very slight, but nonetheless, if you go for it. And, you know, it's what they've been doing all year. So do you blame him for sticking to his identity? I know you blame him for how it transpired, but just. You know, touch on that quickly.
9: Think about what happened when they 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 don't kick the field goal. Ayuk makes the play, and then they get the fumble. You could see and I, I look. look you know, we're Detroit fans in the house, and we knew because I'm from Michigan and things. I wanted to see him win, but you knew at that point, and everybody I talked to knew at that point too, the game's over. You knew you could see Detroit's tent just fall. Analytics doesn't take into account that your team has a certain mentality in that situation, and when you have things start to go against you, now you don't think you're going to win. He needed to give his team and keep his team's mentality. You know, what well the coaches say? Get in the fourth quarter, and then we can win. They didn't get to the fourth quarter. They got to the middle of the third quarter. They got it in the fourth quarter. Maybe it's a whole different story because then San Francisco really starts getting desperate. They started to do it way too much. I mean, get your team there so you can keep your team's psyche in it. He messed with his team's psyche at that point. Yeah,
2: and we were talking earlier, like, he, his aggressiveness, that's what they do. I also feel that his, the players didn't help out the situation. I mean, there was plays for them to make that added to – Him making this decision, which now backfired because his players did not – I mean, easy catches, they just dropped, a fumble. So I think, like, it is highlighted by the fact that his team did not make routine plays.
9: They – he should have known his team might get rattled. At that point, hey, he stays calm. I remember I, uh, it, 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 he stays calm all the way through that situation. And as soon as they don't get the field goal and the IU play happens and they score a touchdown and fumble, you could see his team started to get rattled your job to keep your team from getting rattled. That's your primary responsibility as a coach in that situation. Keep your team from getting there. If you have a three possession lead and they score, you still get a two possession lead, your team can stay calm, relaxed and everything. And I just think that they that he didn't take that into account that, you know, analytics doesn't take into account the psyche of your ball club and it he, he needed to. He needed to overrule analytics at
3: that point. Do you think he underestimated Purdy?
9: I think he probably did underestimate Purdy. And not only that, I think he also, you know what, if I had to say, if I had to give one defense for him, he's looking at his his defense and going, okay, I know we've held up so far, but we're not going to hold up the rest of the game. So we got to score touchdowns in case San Francisco scores. But that also tells your defense. You're expecting them to score all these points against you. And it's like, if you told him before the game, he said, it seemed like he think he needed to score 40 points to win, which, again, they gave up enough to where maybe that would have been the case. He seems to think that he needed to do that. But the thing is, it's like, once you get that lead, you can slow this thing down. San Francisco hadn't been scoring forty points at thirty points anywhere near the pace that Detroit had of late. So Detroit's defense had held up fairly well, comparatively speaking. So I just think you got to you got at that point you can start protecting your defense. You got to start you know doing those things and 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 realizing that starting with the pressure on San Francisco, starting with pressure on Purdy that he's got to bring him back like this, and they'll and start making mistakes. Once it got tied, Purdy could stay calm too.
2: Casey Joiner from the Athletic here. Uh, Detroit falls to San Francisco. The Niners are going going to the Super Bowl. And and you mentioned Purdy. I mean, what role do you think he had in why they're going to the Super Bowl?
9: I think that he's, uh, look, he's a risk taker. But when it works out for you, it, you're, it, you're fine. He had that one across the, the field pass when you started to scramble and it's like, oh, you see that ball going there and you think it's definitely getting picked. He takes those kind of chances, but in a game like that, you needed him to take those kind of chances. I don't know that if you get the Super Bowl, you want to see him taking those sorts of chances, but that's the thing. The Lions. Purdy comes into games and he'll give you two or three chances if you if you, get, if you put, make him press, he'll give you two or three chances for interceptions. Lions just like Green Bay week four, they dropped him. They didn't they didn't make the interception opportunities when they had them. So some of them were easy catches, but still they dropped him and Purdy's gonna give you that. So uh it's still a situation where Purdy takes too many, uh is too much of a gunslinger and Kansas City's gonna make him uh we'll make, we'll try to make him pay for those. But All right.
2: on the other side, the AFC. You just talked about the role Purdy had. What role did lamar jackson have in why baltimore is not going to the super bowl
9: uh steve Spagnolo is a really 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 good defensive coordinator uh and go ask the 2007 patriots how good a coordinator he is he's that he's stopped the best offenses of all time and he made them do things that they didn't want to do and plus you talk about psyche again i, I, I love analytics and all the other things but talk about psyche i think lamar jackson yeah, he's got the whole thing of okay, you can't be a good quarterback, you can't be a good playoff quarterback. You could see him start to get frustrated early in the game. It, w- it was like he had that score to touch them on the second drive, and then they started to not have success, and it wasn't working for them. He was doing things to take away. They've got a limited receiving core, and he was doing things to take some of that away from him, and it started to get Jackson frustrated. And I think if you keep Jackson frustrated, you can turn him from an MVP candidate into a guy who's throwing his helmet on the ground in the fourth quarter.
3: Yeah, you talk about frustration and being rattled, it's it's poise versus the complete opposite. Like Mahomes, we talked we touched on this earlier, Casey. How impressive of a game manager he was, right? He's arguably already the greatest of all time at the quarterback position, and in the second half, he knew what he needed to do to win against that defense in that matchup, right? He just he didn't take sacks, he didn't throw interceptions, he was very calculated in the second half. Lamar Jackson, the complete opposite, but you also look at the game plan, right? We talked about Greg Roman and how much he was missed, particularly yesterday, and you only give the running back six touches. Like, you know, touch on all of that, and, and how do you assess it?
9: Yeah, I think uh, I think Spagnuolo gave them looks that said you probably should pass the ball, and that's the thing. It's one of those things where you know, Al Davis used to say, uh, defense will tell, you know, the offensive court will say, we'll take what the defense gives us, and I was like, "No, I want to take what I want. I don't want to take what you're willing to give me. I'm going to take what I want." And, and you know, I was a good coach before he became uh, the owner of the team, and all. And I think yesterday Spagnola said, "Look, we're going to give you certain looks. You can you can do certain things if you want to. We're going to try and take away the, room. we're going to make you throw." And the thing is, you look at the passing. We talked about. gonna give you some stats real quick, for uh, short passing metrics. That's where your it's uh, passes ten or fewer yards. Patrick Holmes is 25 of 30. He only gets 4.7 yards per attempt, but it keeps the chains moving in a game where that's important. Jackson, 17 to 25, 6 yards per attempt. He does better on the yards per attempt phase, a 6 to 4.7, but he's not as consistent. And you add that to the fact that Jackson was only three of 12 in vertical passes. He gets 10 yards per attempt on him. That's solid, but he had one touchdown and one pick. He's it's three out of 12. You're not doing very well. Mahomes is five of nine. It's that little bit where we're going to be a higher percentage team than you today. And Baltimore just was not able to be high percentage because Jackson is as, as good a quarter as good a quarter against he is, You need him to be a run first guy. And yesterday he was more of a pass first guy, even though the score was low.
2: All right, Casey. Is it time for Baltimore to reevaluate who they are? Um, you know, years ago, now the Eagles were in a different situation. They had a horrible season, but they decided, you know what, Andy, maybe we should just change everything here. And Andy moved on. He became great. Do they have to think about just changing stuff, or can this Baltimore team, as constructed with Lamar Jackson, Harbaugh, do they should they keep
9: going? They should be, they should actually be worked in Detroit because Detroit had, this isn't, if you take the next five years and you say, is this going to be Detroit's best team? Physically speaking, probably not. Maybe, but you never know. But if you're looking at saying a five-year window, can Detroit build on this? Yeah, Detroit's got a lot of weaknesses. you look at Baltimore, this is your best team. You had a great defense. You had a great running game. You had a real good passing game. When Jackson's playing his best, and it's the first time you've hosted a conference championship game. You got number one seed. On. This was your opportunity. I remember Tennessee a couple of years ago when they got to, and Cincinnati beat them in the in the divisional game. And you can see Tennessee just basically fell apart. Like, oh my gosh, what happened? And you realized that they knew that was their best window, and that and that was shot. I'm looking at Baltimore going, that was it for you, Baltimore. Not that you won't get another good shot, but if you couldn't do it under those circumstances, what do you do? And Jackson's getting to an age where he needs to transition to like Randall Cunningham and transition from being a run first quarterback that can pass to as Randall Cunningham when he got to the Vikings pass first who can also run you need to do that they don't have the team ready for him to do that I think they need to start that transition now and they started to some this year but they need to like accelerate that thing because Zay Flowers you know, as good as he played at times yesterday, you could see why he's maybe not the number one guy you want to lean on. Maybe he should be your, your alternate receiver and you need somebody else. They need to have an A.J. Brown, uh, you know, Devontae Smith style combination because they need this to be able to make switches. And right now they're not a the person to do it.
2: Speaking of AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, they have a new coordinator, Kellen (laughs) Moore. So, Casey Jr., how's the fit of Kellen Moore with the personnel Philadelphia has on offense? Who benefits the most in this offense?
9: Uh, the fantasy managers in PPR leagues.
7: (laughs) (laughs) It's
9: a good answer. You know, I think it's it. If Philadelphia answered the question, what are we doing? Are we a pass team or are we a run team? You hire Kellymore, your pass team. And McCarthy said, I'm, I'm, I'm letting the guy go. He's a great coordinator and he does great things, but he is a pass first guy and I want to run the ball more. And if you're bringing Kellen Moore in, you are saying we are a pass first team. So I think you need to retool the offensive line to adjust for that. Uh, and I think you, know, you need to make sure you're building some things in there. I think if they run the same offense that the Cowboys did him and, and, and Dak Prescott's not a great runner. He's a solid runner, but if you're running that same style offense, boy, oh, you're taking away a lot of what Jalen Hurts does to be an MVP candidate. So I I, I don't like the move just because I think the Eagles have right, constructed themselves to be a run-centric team. When you hire Kelly Moore, you're making it very clear we're a pass-centric team.
2: All right, there you go. Casey Joyner with his thoughts on... Uh... Kellen Moore, he's the new coordinator. And, of course, Vic Fangio will be running the defense. And it looks like they're getting some veteran uh, guys on that staff here. Clint Hertz coming in. They've interviewed Mike Caldwell, Joe Barry. So it feels that the Eagles are going down a much more veteran path uh, at the coordinator and on the defensive side of the ball specifically.
9: Yeah, it does. And that's the thing. I mean, last year they get the – you've got all the – itch situation with the coordinator and things. And I think they realized that we – yeah, there's there's time to grow as a team, but there's time to, to do too much of that. And I think they realize, let's get a better impression field. field. Let's get some stability here, which, you know what? Maybe they go past first, but if they're more stable, maybe it balances out and they can still do well. I just think that once you get to December or January, if you can't run the ball, as we're seeing with a lot of these teams now, you need to be able to pass the ball, too. You really do. But you better be able to run the ball because Kansas City and San Francisco are in the Super Bowl right now, both right now because of late but generally speaking, they've been able to run the football and Philadelphia still needs to be able to do that.
2: All right, uh, Casey Joyner from The Athletic. One thought every game. Uh, Super Bowl is set. Niners and the Chiefs. And, of course, he appeared right here on the Sports Bass. Thanks, Casey. Appreciate it, guys. And he is brought to you by Frank Vincent Windows. Roofing, siding, and doors make your home look new again as we'll get ready to uh, wrap up here from the gallery bar booking games at Ocean Casino Resort.
3: He doesn't like the, the Kellen Moore move, man. Well, he likes it if you're, uh, AJ Brown and Smith. Right. <laughs> you know, but he said, uh, you know, it was interesting what he said.
2: I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Earlier today, the one thing that I've heard today about more that has stood out to me is when I asked McMullen about which player will benefit. And he said, he thinks you're going to see a lot more of
3: Smith in the slot. Yeah. Which was interesting. And I like kind Moore of like CD Lamb. Yeah. That was the, yeah, that was the name he brought up. Mosher, I think he said, Goddard in the middle of the field. Yep. Yeah, the tight end um, in uh Dallas. Ferguson and Schultz. The yep. Two guys uh, they've had over the years in that offense. Yeah. So that makes sense and what Casey said made sense which was you know are, are they about to take away a key part in Jalen's toolbox? Well, the one big thing with Moore, they did not run the ball all that
2: much in Dallas. No. Now they got rid of him. And the thought was they're going to be more balanced, and they really weren't. No, not at all. And they got no further than they did with Kellen Moore. So we'll see. Uh, there's a lot more to discuss on that. We'll wrap up the show. I know Danny Rye's got his fifth just stewing in the pot. On more Sports Bash coming up. The
0: sport- Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.
1: With Mike Gill, keeping
0: the fans entertained and happy on 97.3 ESPN
1: and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.
2: Uh, Get ready to get out of here tonight. Thanks to uh, all our guests today and, of course, the Ocean Gallery Bar Book and Games for having us here on this Monday edition. Before we get out of here, we'll finish off today's five with Danny Rye with the fifth and final
4: question. It's a simple one. It's not groundbreaking, but it gets the job done. With the stage officially set for Super Bowl 58, who do you have winning the rematch of Super Bowl 54? The Kansas City Chiefs or the San Francisco 49ers? I'm not giving you two weeks to think about it. You're, you're answering right here, right now, today. I don't need two weeks.
2: Let's hear it. It's Kansas City. <laughs> it's Kansas City. You know what's funny? I'm not betting There was a that time, you know, San Francisco came in, bombed Philadelphia. And then you felt like, wow, they're definitively the best team. And over the last couple weeks, I think San Francisco has maybe lost some of its luster a bit. I mean, you sneak Hmm. by the Packers.
4: You sneak by the Lions. They dominated you the way they did in the first half. You're lucky you pulled off that
2: comeback. I could see how that would be interpreted, yeah. Meanwhile, halfway through the season or somewhere around the same time when San Francisco beat Philly, Philly had just beat Kansas City. You were starting to think Kansas City's just not doing it. Like, they just aren't good enough this year. And State now Buffalo. here they are again. Um, I think Kansas City defense and Patrick Mahomes. It's I'm nothing. not picking against.
4: Him. Yeah, yeah. Purdy seemed to have trouble against the Packers defense, and obviously the Lions defense in the first half. So I don't think he stands a chance against this Kansas City defense. Now,
2: two weeks from now, it might feel a little different. Might feel a little different. We'll see. Mahomes be out. out. We'll be out in Vegas. The sports match will be on location at Mandalay Bay Radio Row in Las Vegas. For three great shows, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we'll give you more details on that as well. Sixers tonight, no Joel Embiid. Playing the Portland Trailblazers, and it's a back-to-back, too. They play again tomorrow night against uh, Golden State. I wonder if he'll be back tomorrow night, conveniently. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh So that's tonight at 10 o'clock for all you night owls driving home late from the casinos here at Ocean Casino Resort, Sixers and the Travelers. Flyers are on a little break right now. they got the All-Star break and everything coming up. So there's that little uh, NHL break. So no Flyers for the next week or so. All right. Josh has game night next. For Ryan, i Mike and Danny Ryan. This has been the Sports Bash on 97 to
8: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.